This is South Florida's only real sports station. WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. A Beasley Broadcast Group station. And WQAM.com. Get dangerous, boys. He's starting to acknowledge this. What was it, Father One? Tell you something, pal. The New York Jets suck. Oh! Are you sure? My beliefs are what's required to avoid a lake of fire. My religion's better than yours. My religion's better than your religion. My religion's better than yours. Mm-hmm. Why, my religion advocates bigotry and racial hate. My religion's better than yours. My religion's better than your religion. My religion's better than yours. Yes. We like about it best. I fondle boys and wear a dress. My religion's better than yours. My religion is better than your religion. My religion is better than yours. We have no respect for women. Drive a cab to make a living. My religion's better than yours. My religion's better than yours. My religion's better than yours. Better than yours. Chupahabra, spooky ghosts, we slaughter pigs and dogs and goats. My religion's better than yours. My religion's See 60 Minutes last night? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. brother. God help us is right. Oh, God. But anyway, we'll get into that. A 13-year-old boy was critically wounded this morning in a shootout, uh, shooting outside of school, according to Prince uh, George's County emergency officials in Bowie, Maryland. There was no immediate word on whether the shooting was related to the series of sniper uh, shootings this week. The boy was wounded in the chest and abdomen outside Benjamin Tasker Middle School, said Mark Brady of the fire department. The boy's mother took him to her car in Bowie Health Center, a small hospital. He's uh, suffering from extensive blood loss and is in critical condition. How do you like that? No, I don't. Now, what, what was the uh, Father Leo? Is that it? Being I, ready to do a talk? What was that? No, I missed it. Clarence was talking to me, and I, I totally missed it. Hey, Clarence, quit being in there diddling around while we're trying to hear the uh, promo there at the end of Mo's show. Now, they're starting to acknowledge my Father Leo, Father Neil, Father O'Toole. I wonder if he was related to Alindo Mare. Placement is down, a 34-yard attempt by Alindo Mare is right down the middle. The The Dolphins add to their lead, now 26-13. Nice hit of that field goal by Alindo Mare. Now, now, somebody there's got to be wrong, you know what I'm saying? All those years that Bill Zimper called him Alindo Mare, and I call him Olindo Mare because I think he's a good Italian boy from uh, South Florida. Went to school with Joe Costello, another good Italian boy. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing Mo yesterday, Olindo Mare. 
The only reason I happen to have that is I came in here and they actually had the audio on, not only all during the game, but this morning. Oh! That's a first, isn't it? At least uh, in Since the last couple been, of months. Yes. Man, pretty exciting. So I figured I'd just pop on a cassette and I was lucky enough to get uh, Moe's rendition of Olindo Mare, which reminded me, of course, of that great uh, song by Dean Martin and Domenico Modugno. Volare. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Volare. Volare. Oh. I don't, I don't know. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's like Portuguese or something or French. You think Olindo is a fraud? No. I don't think so. But somebody's got to be wrong there because the Mad Dog is calling him Olindo Mare. And, yeah, the Dolphins won a game and the Patriots uh, missed the team bus. They didn't show up. That's the way it goes. That's the way it always goes when they play uh, down there for some reason. They just don't show up. Clarence, speaking of Clarence, faxes me we will carry game five of the Braves Giants in progress after Hurricane Hotline. That would be nice, Clarence, but, of course, I don't have any schedule anyway. You don't? No. Where, where, where would I get the schedule from? I thought they faxed it to you all the time. <laughs> this early on a Monday morning, and he's in peak form, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a great sense of humor. Well, I don't have one either. Don't you have a schedule either? Nope. Uh-oh, so Clarence, like I said, you're in there like stepping on Moe's last line there while George is trying to listen while we're trying to make this segue, and you're stepping all over his ass, but he is very pleased that he finally got that bonus. He did mention that. So nice work on that, Clarence, but you got a lot, a lot of other uh, work to get going there. Okay, no, you better okay. go see. As long as he does the bonus and not the schedule, I could give a crap. Yeah, you're right. As long as my check shows up on the 10th, what day is that going to be? See, Thursday? As long as that yeah. check shows up on Thursday, we don't care about the freaking schedules, okay? Why the hell should I promote the rest of the station? we got some people who won't. 1,226 votes on the poll over the weekend. Look at that. And, of course, don't forget the Bushmeister is going to be speaking at 8 o'clock, and the networks aren't carrying it because they didn't request network airtime, which basically means, and they've all said this, uh, he ain't going to say that much, nothing new, you know. Same old song of the dances, we tried to morph Osama bin Laden into Saddam Hussein, or is it the other way around? I guess do it doesn't make any difference. Job. Yeah, we're, we're morphing one into the other. We're cutting off the head and putting it on the end of the snake or something like that. 1,226 votes. Who would you prefer to have as leader of the free world today? Bill Clinton, 760, 62%. Oh! How do you like that? George W. Bush, 228, 18.5%. Pretty weak. Tony Blair, 157, 12.8%. And that very dark professional Ojean provocateur, Al Sharpton, 81, 6.6%. All we need was one more six in there. Don't you think he could be the Antichristo? <laughs> Either him or that bitch that was on 60 Minutes last night, oh, that blonde-headed bitch. Oh, God. Man, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You Christians out there, I'm talking about you real fanatical Christians, all you good born-again, uh, holy, a roller, good. Uh, stay away from all the rest of us, okay? It's like that old lady I keep telling you about that gets dragged across the street by the Boy Scout, who did the end. The only problem is he's trying to do his good deed for the day. She don't want to cross the street. That's the problem. They want to make us an offer we can't refuse. It's Inquisition Part 2. It's Armageddon Part 1. Man. And they, they don't want to talk about this stuff. You know, religious insanity, because it's too embarrassing. It's bad for business. So on the one hand, we got the Islamic uh, terrorists, but on the other hand, we got the Christian terrorists, who I think over the years, over the centuries, have killed a lot more than the Muslims. I don't no think question. it's even a, not even a contest. And this is just another crusade, except you're the tool this time. Another, uh, not even a contest. In spite of what Jerry Fowlball says there last night, that fat-faced turd burger. Man. And then when he's in there about how Moses was a, ma a man of peace. <laughs> oh. Jesus, good. What is he talking about? A baby butcher. Oh, speaking of that, what a great segue. Jude Law Toddler 2 eats ecstasy. How did you know I was what? going to do that what? story? This just came over the wire. Jude Law's toddler ate some ecstasy? 
London. The two-year-old daughter of film stars Jude Law and Sadie Frost was rushed to a London hospital after she swallowed part of an ecstasy tablet at a children's party, according to media reports. Well, you know, I don't know if you're going to bring ecstasy to kiddies' parties. I guess they're supposed to swallow them, aren't they? At, at our kiddie parties, they have to bring their own. I see. Well, maybe she did bring it. Police said they were called by hospital staff after a toddler spent the night under observation on a ward after swallowing the drug. Iris Law had, uh, had to endure a stomach pump and a brain scan following the incident at an exclusive club in London's West End, Britain's Sun newspaper reported today. The quick actions of Frost, 34, who was featured in Bram Stoker's Dracula and Gosford Park, prevented Iris from swallowing the entire ca tablet. Law, 29, the star of Road to Perdition and the talented Mr. Ripley, was alerted as he was filming in the U.S., the newspaper said. A Scotland Yard spokesman told the A&P, We were called at 4.11 p.m. on Saturday afternoon by a London hospital regarding a two-year-old female child that was believed to have swallowed half a tablet of ecstasy. The child had been attending a children's party Saturday where she was believed to have picked up a tablet that had been left on the floor of the premises on Old Compton Street. The premises had been used as a bar and nightclub on Friday. See, so in other words, before you start, like, pointing fingers at anybody, it had been used as a bar and nightclub the night before and a bunch of degenerates probably the same ones who were in La Caja Full, those degenerates, they just left some of their uh, drug stash on the floor. And this little kid reached down there, his kids are apt to, you know, they do things like that. Hey, this is a Pez. Picked it up and stuck it in her puss, and now she's, but she'll be okay. Now, this, this guy gets really under my skin. The farts are on air from Maryland, the one that they got on there again. Because he never says anything. He always comes on the air to say that he has no information. Besides the school, to the best of my knowledge, that is correct. The mother with the child when it happened? The mother was with the child when it happened. Yeah. The, the mother. Now, how are you spelling the that? M-U-V-V-E-R? Now, seriously, how do you be spelling that? M-U-V-V-E-R? This is the sheriff? The mother was with the child? Well, I don't want to get into it. Okay, here's our poll question for today, since we're heavy duty on this religion crap again. And believe me, boys and girls, let me say to you again for the 8 billionth time, if you saw that piece last night, you should know it, but uh, a lot of you just, you have your mind closed. Religion is crap. Make no mistake about it, okay? It's the one instrument, the one tool to excuse intolerance and killing and butchering, etc., and has been throughout the history of mankind. Religion is for crazy people. <laughs> just like that. That's exactly what it's all about. Let's see. Paul says, this week, you're right, the Dolphins did play a girls' team. <laughs> Very funny, Paul. We'll see what happens when they play New England. See, this is what the typical Dolphins fans, you know, they win a game and right off the bat, hey, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl, we're talking Super Bowl, da 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 you know, all that crap. And then if they have a bad game, like they did against Kansas City, Jay Fiedler sucks, and the team blows, and it's the same old crap every year. It's a 16-game season, Paul, okay? But just like uh, Carlos said there this morning, they're all running around the station erect. They all got their wands standing straight up, all excited because they want a goddamn game. Kill that. Here's our poll question today. Which of these do you believe in? Let's see, i got six choices. Six choices here, Eric. So I hope you're on uh, your game. Which of these do you believe in? Heaven and hell. Only heaven. Only hell. Life after death, but no heaven or hell. Once you're dead, you're history. Or there's only one hell, and it's South Florida. <laughs> huh? What's wrong with that? Well, I think, I think that's my one. typical, my usual, uh, very colorful pool. Six choices. I'd like to give you folks, you know, an opportunity to, to vent, especially about South Florida. Which of these do you believe in? Heaven and hell. Only heaven. 
only hell, life after death but no heaven or hell. That's that's one there. Then am I making that clear or not? Yes. Once you're dead, you're history, or there's only one hell, and it's South Florida. Absolutely correct, sir. 913 at 560 WQAM. There's only one Chinese buffet you ought to be thinking about going to, and that's the Emerald Coast, man. It is just unlike any place you've ever seen. You've seen a lot of buffets, I'm sure, but this place is just a like walking into a sea of phenomenal, fresh, delicious goodies. And they got three locations for you now, Sunrise, North Miami Beach, and that newest location in prestigious Pembroke Pines. Start your mouth-watering eating experience with six different soups. Try one or two or all of them if you like, if you're a real porker, and then sample dozens of succulent entrees, oriental surf and turf on the weekends with Alaskan king crab and New York strip steak made to order at the Gourmet Center. That's a sizzling Asian grill featuring teriyaki steak, shrimp, chicken, seafood, hand-carved prime rib. The Emerald Coast Buffet promotes healthy living, cooking all their fine cuisine with cholesterol-free oils. No cholesterol at the uh, Emerald Coast. Their buffet features a full salad bar, a new sushi bar, and fresh shrimp cocktail, too. Our one requirement at Emerald Coast, you must leave room, even if you have to bring a crowbar to stuff in your pants, leave room for dessert, because it's a beautiful dessert bar featuring pies and cakes and pastries, ice cream with all your favorite toppings, and fresh root. They always even be having a watermelon on the buffet at Emerald Coast, the perfect ending to an unforgettable meal. And wait, and maybe you want to bring your brownie camera and snap a few pictures, too? At the Emerald Coast, because when you see some of those porkers in there, you're going to want to take home some memories of them. Emerald Coast, Sunrise, Pine Island, 44th Street, Collins Avenue, just north of 163rd in North Miami Beach, and at the intersection of Flamingo and Pembroke Road in Pembroke Pines. They accept reservations, takeout and delivery available as well. Call 954-572-3833. Now look at this. They've got, uh, oh yeah, I wish you could see my copy. They have 954-572-3833, and then it says that's 954-572-3822. One of them will work. For for more information, just keep uh, dialing numbers until you get one that works, okay? Live and local. This is Sports Radio 560 QAM. Blow blows and so do the bill. Oh! All right. Busting out, baby, out, baby, hot as a Texas drought. She'd be skinny if she'd stop popping the chocolates in her mouth. Millions of fans around the world tuning in and going nuts. Throw a Siskel and an Ebert wouldn't give her two thumbs up. Check out Howard, friend and lawyer, and the purple-haired Kim. Bobby Trendy, her son Daniel, Sugar Pie, you know him. Critics say it's Cable's worst, yet it's number one ranked. That don't bother Anna none, she's laughing all the way to the bank. Yes, indeed, baby, she's got ratings that dazzle, so just save your Sunday night for Anna on the E! Channel. She got bigger humps than an Arabian camel, so just save your Sunday night for Anna on the E! Channel. 918 at 560 WQM. I think what we need is a lot more guns in the U.S. That's what we need so we can have a lot more crazy people running around shooting up uh, everybody and their brother. And, of course, the interesting part of this, which is very, very disconcerting, is that here it is on Monday. When did all this start with the uh, shootings? It's got to be almost a week ago now, isn't it? Right. Last Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that? Something like that. And uh, they haven't got any more idea right now who's doing all these shootings. Than, and the one in Virginia is connected, which I'll get to that story eventually, but I'm good and ready. And now we got the one that this uh, 13-year-old kid gets school and, uh, uh, shot in school today or outside school. And they haven't got any idea. Do they have any idea about the anthrax uh, murderer? No. Any of these things. 
They're a little bit slow on the uptake. But we got Robert Blake. We got him in custody. So 60 Minutes last night, before I get to 60 Minutes, I'm watching uh, the news. They had a series of uh, diet, different diets on the news last week, you know, one each day. And Friday they were talking about the zone diet. And they get into this segment, all of a sudden I see they're talking about, well, a little black uh, sack that they bring you every day and yada, yada. And there's a service here, which now now that I'm leaving here shortly, I find out that there's a service called In the Zone Delivery. And it's the same as Balance for Life. And I looked at the menus, and it's very similar. It looks like pretty interesting stuff. So when I come back here next year, I'm going to do my uh, Keep the Balance for Life thing going. How do you like that? Excellent. I think by next year at this time, I ought to weigh about 30, 40 pounds. <laughs> yeah, it'd be just like a little, like Kate Smith, you know, like a little lump in the chair. That was a pretty exciting stuff. In the zone delivery dot com, by the way, if there's anybody who's listening up in this neck of the woods, eh? So 60 Minutes last night had this much ballyhooed piece, which supposedly the centerpiece was Jerry Falwell talking about Muslim being a um, violent religion and Mohammed was a uh, terrorist, terrorist, etc. and so on. Well, that that was that was one of the nicer things that was said on there. I thought I thought that was pretty mild by comparison, because basically what it boiled down to is that you got these crazy goyim out there who love Israel and love the Jews, but only as a tool, only as a means to an end. And like I said before the show, no, seriously, it's like saying the Romans telling the Christians, "Oh, be fruitful and multiply." We need a lot more Christians to keep the lions full, you know, to feed the lions, keep them happy. And it's the same thing, because they uh, they got to have those Jews in Israel. And the most disgusting thing was that, uh, oh, boy, you talk about ugly stereotypes. And they're up there, and they're doing, they got the talis on, and they're singing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it turns out that these weren't Jews at all. These were a bunch of goyim, uh, pro-Jew, pro-Israel, pro-Armageddon uh, goyim, crazy people. Because we have to have the Jews in Israel, we got to get everybody else out of there, which I thought that was not that bad of an idea, quite frankly. But nevertheless... Everybody else has got to get the hell out of there so we can make room for the Jews so that two-thirds of them can die when we have Armageddon, when all the planes start flying and the bombs start dropping. Two-thirds of the Jews are going to die, and the other third are still going to be around, but the Goyim are going to make them an offer. The rumor on the street is the offer is so good they can't turn it down, an offer they can't refuse. How do you like that? There you go. Step in line. Man, oh, man, oh, man, of Shevitz. And, uh, you know, they, and they put the piece on there. And I guess anybody who's already got an IQ larger than their thumbnail, they can figure out what the message is from this. But the average masses out there, they're going, like that. They don't get it. They don't understand because they really don't want to go quite that far as to say, hey, don't you see, here's another example. Fanatical, religious, dangerous, crazy people is what we're talking about. Dangerous, crazy. And like I said before, I guarantee you throughout history, it's not even a contest in terms of who's killed more people, the Christians or the Muslims. Not no contest. No. Maybe the Muslims are just playing catch up now. They got a long way to go, I'll tell you that. They're still way behind. They're Ball still, uh, not even, they're not even in a ball game. Just ask Moses, he'll tell you. What, what does it take? What does it take to get the message across? And of course, the mainstream media, man, these are the biggest bunch of suck holes. They're almost as bad as the Democratic Party. Except for Ted Kennedy and one or two others, they're all like goose-stepping into line, you know, because they're all terrified. we got an election in four weeks, and they're all scared crapless. I guess they're not reading the new polls, though. Public isn't getting sucked in quite so much, but we'll get to all of that. Station airs alleged Osama tape. The Arab satellite station Al Jazeera broadcast an audio tape yesterday in which a male voice attributed to Osama Yamama bin Laden said, The youths of God are planning more attacks against the United States. 
By God, the youths of God are preparing for you things that will fill your hearts with terror and target your economic lifeline until you stop your oppression and aggression against Muslims, said the voice in the audio tape. It wasn't immediately clear when the tape was made. The short message was broadcast with a picture of Bin Laden in the background. I love the way it says it wasn't immediately clear as if we're ever going to have any idea when it was made. Right. The man on the tape said his message was addressed to the American people, whom he urged to understand the message of New York and Washington attacks, which came in response to some of your previous crimes. But those who follow the activities of the band of criminals in the White House, the Jewish, Jewish agents who are preparing for an attack on the Muslim world, feel that you have not understood anything from the message of the two attacks, he said. So let America increase the pace of this conflict or decrease it, and we will respond to that kind, he said. Sure makes you want to go in there and attack Sodom, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, what's he got to do with this? You didn't see those pictures we were talking oh. about before, mm -hmm. where we've morphed uh, Osama into Sodom now. That's right. We just shaved off the beard and gave him a better mustache. Took that stupid thing off his head. The reference appeared to be to the U.S.-Iraq confrontation many believe will lead to war, which could uh, date the tape to recent weeks. Gutter-based Al Jazeera has become known for its broadcast of audio and videotapes of al-Qaeda leaders. Last month, it aired excerpts from a videotape in which a voice said to be Bin Laden is heard naming the leaders of the 19 September 11 hijackers. Until then, Bin Laden had been heard from since shortly after the U.S.-led bombing campaign began in Afghanistan a year ago. American officials have called the network biased in its coverage of the war on terrorism, the Israeli-Arab conflict, and U.S. Middle East policy. Al Jazeera journalists say they strive to tell all sides of events from the Arab and Muslim point of view, and they've angered Arab governments as often as they've angered Washington. In other words, everybody is pissed off and fired up. And this is from the London Observer. Osama bin Laden is alive and regularly meeting with Mullah Bola Omar, the fugitive leader of the Taliban, according to a telephone call intercepted by American spy satellites. In the conversation recorded less than a month ago, Omar and a senior aide were discussing the American-led hunt to track them down, the two men using a mobile Thuraya satellite phone. Oh, we got one of those, don't we? We do? No. Spoke, uh, spoke about tactics for several minutes. Omar then turned to a third person who was within a few yards of him. Voice analysis has revealed. After exchanging a few words, Osama said that the sheik sends his greetings. Senior Taliban figures habitually refer to Osama bin Laden as the sheik. Or is that the sheikh? Or is it Mare? Voice analysis appears to corroborate the identification of bin Laden. It shows he was alive recently at least, said a senior Afghan intelligence officer. Some people might like to think he's dead, but that's just wishful thinking. The revelation comes amid growing speculation that bin Laden is dead. And then, of course, we got the, uh, the message yesterday, the voice message, uh, after all of this. He has looked gaunt and unwell in videos released by al-Qaeda appeared unable to use his left arm. Maybe that's what I got. Maybe I got Osama thing in my, in my left go. arm. That could be it. Other analysts feel Omar could have been bluffing, knowing he was being listened to by Americans and wasn't speaking to Osama your mama at all. But bin Laden's whereabouts are still unknown. He's thought to be moving between Pakistan and Afghanistan via the border between the Afghan province of Paktia and the Pakistani travel area of Wazirstan. There were sightings of him in eastern Afghanistan in March and April. So he's moving between Pakistan and Afghanistan. He's either dead or alive, and we have no idea. But other than that, we got our, we got our thumb on <laughs> Uh, apparently dropped off there with his mother. His mother was walking or at some point was escorting the child when he was hit in the chest uh, by a bullet, uh, extensive bleeding. The mother, in fact, drove her boy to the hospital. Now, let me ask you this, because we really have no idea whether this is just some nut, which seems to be the American effing way, some nut with a uh, high-powered rifle, or whether this is terrorism, which they're starting to speculate. Yeah. Now, see, I don't want to get anybody panicky, but just... Just imagine, put it in your own mind, as opposed to like one attack, no matter how horrific it may be, in one isolated place. Do you follow what I'm saying? Right. You see the scenario that I'm uh, thinking of here in my mind? 
I see it. 926 at 560, your happy station, WQAM. Live, live and local. We're Sports Radio 560, QAM. Funny dykes and assholes. Join the NRA. Shoot your gun today. Have yourself some down-home Christian fun. Right. Blow your friends away. We'll back you all the way. Defending your right to own a gun. When you think of all the benefits you're getting, life will be sweeter when you pack your heater and carry a license to be deadly. Come on and join today. It's the American way to be a member of the NRA. Aim for the meat. All right, 931 at 560 WQM. Boy, it's a beautiful day here, man. Sunny, 52, colder than hell, but it's uh, beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it was not a bad weekend, actually. Was it really? Not as hot as normal. How's that? That's good. That means they're getting ready for me to come back. Because if it's one of those 95, you know, and 100% humidity, I'm not going to be there. Now, did you get this copy? I just faxed you a copy of. Oh, there it is on fax. Now, take a look at that second to last line there where it says call. First of all, it's written out with the, do you, when you write out a phone number, do you ever put like periods in it, dots? Some people do. There, it's, yeah. I don't. That's a, that's a British thing. Okay. Or that's a European thing. Are we in Britain or in Europe? No. Not at the moment we're not. But but setting that aside, look at the uh, phone number. And they're close enough together so that you can see that one is not the other. It's not like one of the Yeah, they both the they both have a double digit at the end. That's right. the only similarity, okay? <laughs> 33 or 22 or if that doesn't work, try uh 3844 or 55 <laughs> or 66 or 77 or whatever else you like. God, and it's Skippy by the way. Oh, I'm sending you a new copy. I'm sending you a new copy. Skippy, you're a moron, man. He'll fit in that sales department like a rubber glove right in your Rectum. ass. Man, what an idiot. But, hey, don't start complaining now because at least he sent you something, which is more than you get from some of these a-holes down there in that sales department. Okay, look at that. The poll is up there. Which do you believe in? See, this is going to be tough. But I don't want to be picking on South Florida sitting all the way up here. Although I don't think this is working anyway. Well, let me give it a shot, okay? Is yours working? I'm voting right now. And so did I. Look at there that. There's is. seven votes. Seven votes in there already. Once you're dead, your history three. There's only one hell at South Florida two. Only believe in heaven one. Life after death, but not heaven or hell one. Only hell or heaven and hell don't have any votes yet. We're working on it. And then we got some people who haven't lived down there long enough to uh, figure it out. The bullet used to shoot a Virginia woman matches ammunition used to kill at least four or six victims of a sniper spree in Washington, D.C. in suburban Maryland, investigators said over the weekend. Tests conducted by the ATF confirmed that the same weapon was used in five of the random shootings over the past three days in Montgomery County, Maryland, and in Washington, D.C. Tests were still underway to determine any links to the two additional shootings in Maryland. The round that we collected there is, in fact, a match to the rounds that were used here in Maryland and also in D.C., said Major Howard Smith of the Spotsylvania County Virginia Sheriff's Office. Is that that Schwarzer that they keep putting on there? It must, must be. be. Howard Smith with two Fs. The 43-year-old Spotsylvania woman was shot in the back in a parking lot at a craft store in Fredericksburg, Virginia, about 50 miles, uh, 55 miles south of Rockville, about 2.30 on Friday afternoon. 
No arrests have been made in these scattered shootings that began last Wednesday. Authorities were talking to one man late Saturday afternoon, but stressed he was not a suspect and no weapons were found with him. You notice that's another thing. There's never any suspect either. Right. They're talking to this one. They're talking to that one. But we want to stress he's not a suspect, unlike, of course, that person of interest. In fact, I guess the person they're talking to isn't even a person of interest, is he? No. I don't think so. They talked to him for a while and said, nah, he's not too interesting. So there you go. And then we got the shooting at the uh, school this morning in the same general area. It must be the same general area because it's got the same uh, Schwarzer Sheriff on there, Smith. And we still don't know nothing. Uh, Carlos is finding something odd about that. that he's about what? Up. No? That was a false alarm? Yeah, about you, what? You've got the latest story. Never mind. Hey, I got it right off the A&P, man. Yeah, Which is sure sure better than what you get at Loblaws and uh, Vecchi's IGA. Yeah, you're I got it right at the A&P. Better than what they got off of the Piggly Wiggly Pig, uh, pig site. <laughs> you better calm down there, Carlos. I know you're like gung-ho to get going here, but it's only Monday. Just On Monday, just ease into it, okay? Don't get too hyper on Monday morning. Don't be like an eager beaver on Monday morning. Sorry. In spite of that game yesterday, I know you're all whipped up. It probably rubs off from all the enthusiasm in the halls there. We're talking Super Bowl. Da, da, da. We won a ball game. Yeah, big deal. Yeah, and you're still in South Florida, okay? <laughs> there you go. Give you the old raspberry. They won a ball game. Yeah, see, I, I more power to them, okay? Because I really don't care one way or the other. I love the Patriots and uh, all that stuff. But it's it's a ball game to me. I don't really give a crap. Yeah, My expectation, huh? That's how it should be to most people, you would think. It's a ball game. It's not like like the Maple Leafs, okay? That's a different story. That's 45 years of hysteria, and the last 35 years of total frustration, okay? That's a different story. It's not like Ron McClain getting knocked off Hockey Night in Canada. See, I, I can't explain it to you. you. You'd had to be here, or I would have had to send you all the newspaper articles from all four newspapers all week, not just one day, not just a couple of days. You would have thought that the that Jesus had come back. You would have thought that it was like the beginning and end of uh, all time. Ron McLean is uh, not coming back on Hockey Night in Canada. Is he coming back? Willie Cow, oh, he is coming back. And front page of every newspaper every day with pages and pages of stories and articles. And, you know, which at least for one week it was a nice diversion anyway. It was kind of stupid, but it was a nice diversion from, uh, are we going to go into Iraq? Well, of course we're going into Iraq. It's already a done deal. There's going to be an Iraq attack. It's a done deal. It was decided a long time ago, okay, and all this, all the stuff that's going on right now is just window dressing and posturing and asking for permission, you know. It's like a kid asking, hey, uh, hey, mom, can I go out and get laid this weekend? I mean, you know, no matter what mom says, he's still going to go out there and bang his brains out, right? Of course. If he's more than like nine or ten. Oh, speaking of blowing people's brains out, a lot of, a lot of very nerve-wracking stuff going on, you know what? Like what? Like French super tanker blown up off Yemen, your anniversary oh, of the yeah. coal attack. And once again, well, we're not really sure, and uh, maybe it was just a fishing vessel. And like the one guy said, no fishing vessel's got to go into a side of a, a gigantic super tanker like that. It wouldn't even make a dent, they said. Unless, of course, on the uh, fishing vessel was a una bomba, una bomba grande. Or several. Or several una bomba, uh, bombas, uh, however you say that. Grandes. A boat pack. Are you starting with that spick stuff again? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you back with Olinda Mare if you don't watch it. I'm going to have him kick one right up your ass. <laughs> Olinda Mare. Well, what is that, huh? What where did he get that from? I mean, it's one thing that he's a Jets fan, but he comes into town now. He's changing the names of the players on the team. Here is Mandit saying Mare, and uh, Bill Zimper said Mare, and I think uh, and Mare, huh? A boat packed with explosives ran badly hold and set ablaze a French super tanker off Yemen. And by the way, it was uh, John O'Neill, the late FBI uh, agent, 
who wanted to go back into Yemen, and uh, that bitch Barbara Bodine said, oh, I don't think so. We don't want you back here. You're a troublemaker. Because he was getting close to getting to the bottom of all the Al-Qaeda business going on there, which, by the way, they're thriving big time in Yemen. Lots of Al-Qaeda hanky-panky in cells Yaman. in Yemen. A week before the second anniversary of the terrorist attack on the USS Cole, the store of the French embassy says, Yemeni authorities set up a crisis cell and voiced fears of a major oil slick spreading along the Arabian Sea coast. The oil tanker was ran by a small boat stuffed with explosives as it came by an offshore terminal some 450 miles east of Aden, Vice Consul Marcel Gonzalez told AFP. It seems to be an attack in the same style as the USS Cole, he said of the high-tech destroyer, bombed by suspected al-Qaeda militants in Aden Harbor, October 12, 2000. Seventeen U.S. sailors died, 38 were wounded in that attack. October 7th also marked the first anniversary of the U.S.-led war in Afghanistan on the Taliban and the al-Qaeda network whose leader, Osama Yamama, claims Yemen is his ancestral home. How do you like that, huh? I don't. A gaping hole was blown into the side of the 330-meter-long tanker, that's 1,100 feet, named the Limburg, managed by the company France Shipment, the embassy said. Twelve of the 25-man crew have been hospitalized with injuries in the eastern port city of Al-Mukalla, the embassy added. Yemeni officials said all hands have been rescued and they were passing the night in a hotel. Like ships passing in the night or something like that. And the Yemenis, of course, are saying, well, we're not really sure. We don't think so. It kind of reminds me of Egypt and their reaction to that Egypt air crash, remember? Right. When that the pilot decided it was his turn. That was the first That was the first suicide uh, era thing. And they didn't want to admit it because, oh, it couldn't have been him. He was a wonderful guy and he never stole a freight train. Uh, you know, it's all a bunch of bull crap. Instead of, like, pointing to it for what it is, we have to have all the denials first because it weighs heavily on their freaking conscience, uh, assuming they have a conscience. Fifty-two votes on the poll. Which of these do you believe in? Now, speaking of your conscience, speaking of can we emancipate your brain from all of this hateful, sick, sordid stuff called freaking crazy religion? Can we do it? What do you think? No. No. You believe in there's only one hell at South Florida, 21. <laughs> which is tied with Once You're Dead, You're History 21. In fact, we should have put another category on there. Once you're in South Florida, you might as well be dead. Just take a look around you. Life after death, they believe in, but not, not heaven or, or hell, six. Oh, I should have put, you know, we should have had on there reincarnation. Oh, yeah, well. Yeah, we better put, huh? That's kind of life after death, but no okay, heaven sorry, or hell. Okay, sorry, yeah. That, right, because that's, that's a good catch-all, you know, reincarnation sure. and yeah, whatever well, else, uh, you know. Maybe we can morph you into Osama or something like that. Only heaven three, heaven and hell one, and only hell none. Well, that's good. There's not anybody out there who believes in only hell, except maybe Greg Reed. My, my and local. This is Sports Radio 560. UAQAM. Know that the Lord even loves Neil Rogers. The Bible. If you like the book, you'll love the board game. Introducing Go to Hell from Milton Bradley. The board game that tests your faith in God while challenging your knowledge of biblical quotes. <laughs> Okay, right. okay, everybody ready? Yeah, go ahead. All right, first question. The meek shall inherit the blank. Flatware. Male pattern baldness. The earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. Right. You move ahead five spaces. You other guys, go to hell. Uh, go to hell. The exciting game where you win by forming a deep personal relationship with God before the timer runs out. Okay, on the seventh day, God did what? A golf. He went to one of those all-you-can-eat brunch places. Um, he just puttered around? Wrong. All of you go to hell. <laughs> it was a good book, but now it's a great game. Go to hell. The biblical board game from Milton Bradley. Go to hell. 945 at 560 WQAM. So I'm assuming if you saw 60 Minutes, you also saw the first segment on the brokerage houses and all that fraud. Oh, yeah. 
You know, yeah. the fact the fact of the matter is this, that these people, like from Merrill Lynch, this business, well, they paid $100 million in fines. They shouldn't have paid no fines. They should all go to jail. They should have been shut down. Right. And as I've been screaming, having been personally ripped off, and having known a hell of a lot of other people have been personally ripped off and gouged over the last two or three years for an enormous amount of cash, this is the biggest fraud ever put over, the biggest hoax ever put over on the American public. The people at CNBC, the gambling channel, they should all be in jail for being co-conspirators and putting this fraudulent crap over on the public. And yet it's like, oh, well, woe is us, woe is us, you know, and good luck to you, you know. And maybe they'll give some money back, but don't hold your yeah, breath. Yeah, not just in jail, but all their wealth seized. Sorry. Yeah, but then, of course, the lawyers will take that as legal fees, you know. I know. That's. I mean, how much, how much ever winds up being left over? Nothing. Pile of crap. The gambling channel, man, that's what it's all about. Once upon a time, boys and girls, it used to be called investing, and now it's uh, a crapshoot. Underline the crap part. Yeah, let's put some lipstick on this pig. And, and how did you like on that segment? They were, like, really getting carried away, especially for a network. Right. It's effing this and it's effing that. And then a P POS, piece of Schmidt. He didn't want to say the word. Yeah, it's a POS. Like our morning show, it's a POS. Are you positive about that? Yes, I am. Go. They have not found any victims there. Uh, the police are calling that an unfounded report at this point. Um, you were asking some questions about geography earlier. Um, I've been studying a map, and a lot of the development in uh, that part of Prince George's County is very recent. Uh, but uh, as best we can determine from talking with people here who live in the area, this Walmart parking lot is a very short distance away from the Benjamin Tasker Middle, Middle School. How do you like that, huh? And we're supposed to assume it's got to be one of, one of two things only. It's either the same assholes, the same lunatics who did the other shootings, or it's a copycat. Good thing we never had that. In no, thank goodness we don't have people that are crazy enough when they see some grotesque, horrendous, uh, barbaric, uh, unacceptable act being committed. Thank goodness we don't have no copycats. You know what I'm saying? No lunatics with uh, with weapons, with firearms. But nevertheless, the uh, kid has been uh, transferred to a trauma center, airlifted to a trauma center near Washington. And you hope for the best. Big Arnie is, uh, Arnie, I hate to break the news to you, but like the one guy said last night, God help us if this is our friends, meaning these born-again Christians. Arnie says Israel hasn't made. They have the Christians helping them now instead of being against them. And these are the very people who our president listens to. Yet since the idiotic vision these people have, ultimately the Jews either dying or converting will never happen. The Jews are sitting pretty. Wouldn't you like to have fanatical people who could be your enemies turn out to be your friends? This is the ma amazing, says Arnie. First time in my life I saw Jerry Falwell on TV. He didn't want to throw something at the screen. Well, Arnie, let me say this to you, okay, in response to your facts. Like that. You know the old expression with friends like these, who needs enemies? That's exactly what they were thinking about when they came up with that expression. With friends who say that two-thirds of you have to die, and then you can, uh, the other third will believe what we want you to believe, will convert you or else. And uh, that's terrific. That's just what we need. Not. And he actually makes the point himself that our president is listening to these lunatics, these maniacs, which is why we don't have stem cell research anywhere near what it ought to be today and why people who have got all sorts of curable ailments, which is destroying their lives, they're going to have to wait forever or maybe, uh, you know, go in that box in the ground. Too late. Because of the impact of these fanatical religious nuts. See, that's one thing a lot of you parochial people that never travel around the rest of the world, you don't understand, is that most other countries, like here in Canada, or almost anywhere I can think of in Europe, other than Northern Ireland, you know, it, they're not dominated by religious nuts. And that's one of the main reasons that life is so much different in those places. 
But the U.S., unfortunately, for all of its good points, has got this, the Falwell says, there's 70 million of us. Well, if there's 70 million, that's like uh, 25% of the whole population are crazy. Of course, he just picks that number out of the air. But nevertheless, suppose it's 50 million. Suppose it's only 40 million. That's still 40 million dangerous, dangerous, crazy people who are just chomping at the bit now. They're just, they're, they're egging the president on. Oh, let's go in there. Let's, let's start dropping the bombs on Baghdad and let's not stop there. I noticed BDI Bob Graham yesterday was carrying on. I mean, he was he was okay, but he was saying, you know, Iran is much more of a threat against us, an imminent threat against us and Israel and any of our allies than Iraq. They have uh, far greater range in their capability in their missiles, and they're a breeding ground for Al Qaeda and have been for a long time. But never. And then, of course, there's always Syria and there's Libya. So I guess what we're going to do is we're just going to declare war on all these countries and blow them all off the map, huh? How's that sound? I guess we better start soon. By the weekend. I would say let's get it done by the weekend, okay? Because we got some big football games coming up this weekend. Oh, I should ask, by the way, who the Hurricanes play next weekend? They got another girls team they're playing. My God almighty. I would respect if they would play one real team. Let's see, Hurricanes game. Oh, FSU, like I said, that ain't going to be next weekend. <laughs> if they play one real team, instead of all these little girly schools, University of Connecticut, basketball maybe, football, no way Jose, okay? And the final score is the University of Miami, 372, and Piper High, nothing. Wow. That Don't you feel better game. about Huh? It was a close game. What was a close game? They almost scored, Connecticut. Yeah, they all. <laughs> what was the final score, 82 to zip? Yeah, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Almost as good as Long Beach State and almost as good as Temple. Speaking of Temple, so anyway, this magazine, now, I mean, this is really fortuitous that you faxed me to try to spread some of your, your anti-Zionist propaganda. Yeah. No, no, you see, you actually shipped me this uh, copy of Mother Jones, which is a great magazine. Israel uh, does ma have a left wing that wants peace, you know. The thin green line, do Israeli soldiers who refuse to serve in the occupied territories advance the cause of peace or hurt it? Which is an interesting article, but I can't, I have no time to waste with that. Because you know my feeling is that they're all nuts right. and uh, etc. You don't want to know but the facts either. I, I I read the article. Okay, it's not all a right. question of knowing the facts. My pa if you're going to start with that Palestinian crap again, I'm going to shut off no, the mic. Okay, no, no I'll just sit here and let you ramble on for three hours and nine minutes. Because people, I don't want to go into it. So you want to get me started again about the suicide bombers? I don't want to get started. And of course, our good friend uh, Sodom, he's given $25,000 to a family. Well, you know something? $25,000 to those schleppers over there because they're not concerned about economic advancement. They're more concerned about becoming martyrs, okay? So 25 grand is a hell of a lot of money. So why the hell not? You know, you can always make some more babies. Well, the settlers get subsidized too from the Screw the settlers, okay? And by like the way, to. that was another thing on it. That was another thing last night. On that piece about they they're going into the goddamn illegal settlements there on the West Bank and they're encouraging those people, raising money for those people. They're they're it's it's unbelievable. But how come nobody wants to scream and holler about the interference of the born again Christians in what's happening in the Middle East? And their desire to oh yeah we got to march on to an Armageddon okay? They got they're grabbing you by the arm and they want to drag you to your death. No thanks, we'll wait. It'll come soon enough. So before I interrupted you, you were saying? I was saying that in this magazine, in Mother Jones, which the uh, date is October, it's the uh, current issue. And uh, this is a couple of weeks ago you sent me this, at least. Right. 
But anyway, there's a very interesting article in here. Born-again Zionists, Christian conservatives are teaming with hardline Jewish groups to transform American policy toward Israel. Oy. And it's exactly what that piece on 60 Minutes was all about last night. <clears throat> by Ken Silverstein and Michael Shearer. And photographs even by Jeff Mermelstein. So it sounds like three Jews to me. <clears throat> but at any rate, it's pretty long, but I'm, I'll save it for later. Maybe in the noon to one hour. It's going to take me a long time to read it. and But I will. That'll be one of my big bedtime stories today. It goes on at great length. Thanks to top-level connections and grassroots activism of Christian evangelical Christians, U.S. policy in the Middle East has never been so closely aligned with Israel as it is under the Bush administration. How do you like that? I don't. Just like some of the very naive Jews used to say about Nixon, oh, well, he's good for Israel, he's good for Israel. We don't care if he's a crook, we don't care if he's a scumbag. He's good for Israel. And then, of course, they heard those tape recordings and found out he was a virulent anti-Semite, and they said, well, isn't everybody else anyway, but at least he was good for Israel. My response would be, Katsachois, okay? That would be my response. I notice there's a Panther trade-out spot in the next break. Do we still have a hockey team in South Florida? No. Because I never hear about it at all. I never hear one word about it. You think we will? Not on a morning show, and not now that the Dolphins are on their way to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to run the table is what I'm thinking. 15-1. and one. Oh. We're talking Super Bowl. Come on, let's forget about what's going on in the world and about people getting shot and stuff like that. Let's get into more uplifting stuff. There we go. Come on, let's hear it. Oh. Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. To be continued. Well, we don't have time for the whole thing right now. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. <clears throat> Reno stands by McBride as he campaigns in Dade. And you know what they always say, stand by your man. Isn't that what Janet always sang? Kenneth Masmacho, Tammy Wynette, or Janet Reno? The little red truck that Janet Reno rode across Florida in her quest to challenge Governor Jeb Bush now sports a Bill McBride for Governor bumper sticker. Oh! You go, boy. And it was Reno and her truck yesterday who provided the entree for the Democratic nominee as he dashed across Dade County, attending services at six black churches. Well, I tell you, six black churches, he's really going to heaven. In an effort to woo voters who sided with Reno but whom he needs to turn out in force on his side if he's to have a chance at defeating Governor Bush on November 5. I stood before you this summer asking for your help. Now I come back to ask you to back a man who can be a great governor of Florida, Reno, who nearly lost to McBride in the primary murder with voting glitches, told congregants at Antioch Missionary Baptist Church in Carroll City. I bet you there were a lot of Schwarzers in there. You think? At every church, Reno was greeted with cheers and applause, and at several churches, she was the one to introduce McBride, who spent most of the primary campaign in north and central Florida, strategizing that the Democratic Party's South Florida stronghold would in the end support the nominee. But many said they're doing so primarily because of Reno's word. We know you're not going to let any of us down, Ossie Conley, a North Miami Beach retiree said to Reno after services at New Baptist Church, because Janet's saying it's all right. We'll go with Mr. McBride, because oh! Janet said it's okay, and we like him, her. Uh, the sentiments weren't lost on the nominee. At every stop, he reported his mantra, asking the crowd to judge me by my friends. On Sunday, they included black legislators Frederica Wilson, who's helping to organize his Miami-Dade operations, Philip Brutus, Wilbert T. Holloway, and Dorothy Bendross Mittingall. She's my friend, McBride said of Reno. If you like Janet Reno, you like me because we think alike and we're together. She's my friend. After his congregation greeted her with a standing ovation, the Reverend Richard Marquez Berry of St. Agnes Episcopal Church in Overtown said, Mr. McBride, there's no harm in writing to the governorship on the co-tables of a wonderful ladle. And <laughs> 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 hey, let's all ride on her coattails or in a red pickup truck, whichever you prefer. My, my and local. This is Sports Radio 560. 
Howard David. Yo, what up, homie? You need some tips on improving your crib? Then tune in to the In the Hood and Garden channel each week. Ice-T trades in his Mac 9 for a nail gun and remodels a crack house near you. That's right, boots all the crack holes out, then gets busy with this old his owl. Thursday nights at 8, Ice will show you how to custom design a kitchen for cooking up some crack and create a comfortable living room decor just perfect for cracking a couple of 40s with your posse and bending those bitches over the couch. So join Ice each week as he fires up this mofo. It's this old his app. It's on the In the Hood and Garden Channel. Biatch, what up? 10 o'clock at 560 WQM. Happy Monday to you. we got the Mad Dog, Jim Maddox, who won. Hank Goldberg, Hank, I'll be at Chula's this afternoon between 3 and 6.30 with that more 5 to 6. And then, I don't understand this because I had an earlier fax from Clarence saying we're picking up the game in progress, game 5 of the Giants and the Braves series, the uh, determining game, the third and rubber game of that series. Hurricane Hotline, 6.30 to 8.30 from David Busters, and I'm assuming that the unctuous, terminally boring Joe Zagat could be on air. And then 8.30, uh, we got the Giants-Braves, so I'm assuming that that game must start earlier than that. What time does the game start? Do we know? Eight. Well, that all depends on where they're playing. Is it in Atlanta? Is it in San Francisco? Does anybody know? Does anybody care? Somebody cares. Mo will be upset if the Braves lose. I don't really give a crap because it's baseball. Anyway, because the note from Clarence said we're joining it in progress. We're picking it up after Hurricane Hotline in progress. So, in other words, Hurricane Hotline, because it's sponsored and because it's the Hurricanes and I guess must be contractually obligated, uh, is so important that we can't carry the game from the beginning. Boy, it sounds pretty like Bush League to me. Eddie K. after the baseball game and join Mark overnight. There's your schedule. Now, what is that? What? I'm looking at the schedule tomorrow. Steve Goldstein and Don Bailey Jr. Producers, yes, yes. producers Zach with 14 question marks. Well, that's well, what's that all no, no, about? No, 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 it's Zach slash question mark, you see. Oh, I see. But what is that all about? Is tomorrow some other Jew holiday that we didn't know about? Because I noticed that Robert also isn't going to be there. Although I guess it was a Jew holiday. Maybe Gildy wouldn't be there because he's learned fast. He's off on Yom Kippur. He's off on a Jew holiday. unlike me and Hank who aren't going to be hypocrites. Speaking of uh, Jews, how about Bob Green? How's he doing? You want to know why I asked that question? Why? Campbell recalls mushroom soup. Now, how does that connect with Bob Green, our oh, former boss? I can't wait to huh? find out. Well, you, you're going to know immediately when I tell you. Camden, New Jersey. Campbell Soup Company is recalling a day's production of cream of mushroom soup after cans were found to contain New England clam chowder, which could pose a danger to people allergic to shellfish, the company said. Don't you remember how allergic he was to seafood? That's right. Wow. He would go into like, like within an inch yeah, of depth. I mean, and we kept trying to sneak stuff back there, but uh, Cheryl would always pick through it first, and the food if too. You pour out a can of chowder. You're not going to know that it isn't cream of mushroom. Well, first of all, when it's Campbell's soup, and when it's in the when it's in the can like that, it all is kind of like mung anyway, you know. All right, but still, one is white, one is gray. It is. Cream of mushroom is kind of gray. Yeah. And chowder is, is more like white. Well, for, well, regardless, if you open up a can, Campbell's is something, if we can't trust the Campbell soup people anymore, those of you dumb enough to eat it and uh, desperate enough to eat that crap, if you can't trust them, who the hell can you trust? The president. Oh, like I said, I'll prefer Campbell's myself. The, how about John Campbell? The company discovered the problem after receiving consumer complaints. It wasn't clear how many cans were affected, but Campbell said it was a small quantity. Some people run a risk of severe or life-threatening reaction if they eat shellfish. The company said it had received no reports of illness yet. First of all, I don't think Bob Green would be opening up a can of uh, Campbell's soup, do you? No, Progresso. No, no, I, I don't see him opening up a can of any soup. I could be wrong. 
The cans labeled Campbell's Condensed Cream of Mushroom bear the date August 20, August 2004. I'm not going to read these numbers. Should I? I don't. Think I guess I should. Time. August 2004, 08292, and CUB8EL followed by four numbers representing military time. What? Yeah. The Camden-based company distributed the cans to retail stores in 13 states, and Florida wasn't one of them anyway. Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, Minnesota, New York, North Dakota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Texas, and Wisconsin. People who bought the cans should return to the stores where they were purchased for a full refund. Consumers with questions were asked to call Campbell's Hotline, which I'd give that number out, but what's the point since it wasn't uh, distributed in Florida anyway? Huh? I just mentioned that in passing because we happen to know people who are, like, deathly allergic to any kind of shellfish, any kind of seafood, including our good, close, personal, former friend Bob Green. Remember him? Sure. Wonder what ever happened. Wonder what ever happened with that deal that he and Cheryl had cooked up for me. You know, the one we never heard any more about. 128 votes on our poll today. Which of these do you believe in? I want to play. I'm a believer by the monkeys. What do you say? You got it. I bet you I do have it here somewhere. Wouldn't surprise me. Once you're dead, your history. 47. There's only one hell, and it's South Florida. 43. I believe in life after death, but no heaven or hell, 23. How about spending the rest of the time in purgatory, you know, just kind of like in doing the limbo rock? Kind of like between a rock and a hard place, between Iraq and Iran? Heaven and hell, nine. We got nine people out there who believe in heaven and hell. Only heaven, five. Those are the optimists. And only hell, one. And I guess Greg must have cast his vote. I don't want to get Greg nervous or anything like that, but the rumor I'm hearing is if you tell a lot of tales in your life, which generally speaking means you're a... That's when you go to hell. People, the more you lie, the greater your chances of burning in hell is what I'm hearing. So I hope Greg gets some of those uh, those fireproof, what do they call it, asbestos clothing? Yep. Flame yeah. Retardant. They're, they're going to have to bury him in a flame retardant suit because otherwise he's going to be burning for a long time. Man who just tells tales... As, as a matter of course, is a way of doing business. But George got his bonus, oh! finally, thanks to Clarence. Here's one of my favorite stories of the whole weekend. Some good news. Well, not really good news, but at least something less morbid than all the rest of this crap. There's a lot of bad crap going on. Speaking of that, the president's going to be speaking at 8 o'clock tonight. Speaking of Iraq in a hard place. Let's go get them. Let's get the evildoers. Who was talking about that whole concept of evildoers? Were they talking about that on that segment last night? Yes. Where the hell did I see that? Yeah. Separating the world into good and bad. This simplistic approach for nimble minds, man. It's uh, terrifying. They're the good folks, and then they're the enemy, the evil ones. I think the whole world needs a goddamn exorcism. What do you say, huh? Okay. Let's get Father Marin. I, I understand he ain't doing too much these days. Father, you helping all the boy. I'm a Here's the good story. A former Army bioweapons researcher who's been investigated in connection with last fall's deadly anthrax attacks that he's preparing several lawsuits related to his treatment in the inquiry. Oh! Good for you, baby. You go, boy. I have a number of lawsuits in preparation. Rest assured, Dr. Stephen Hatfield said Saturday, I have a number of lawsuits in litigation in preparation ex extending on many different continents. How do you like that? Hatfield has not been charged in the investigation and is steadfastly not having any role in or knowledge of the deadly anthrax mailings. Anthrax-laced letters were sent to the offices of U.S. Senators Tom Daschle and uh, Patrick Leahy and to TV network news offices in New York and may have been sent to other places as well. We're still working on it. Five people, including two postal employees in Washington, died of inhalation anthrax. Hatfield spokesman refused comment on who may be the target of any lawsuits or a time frame for filing them. His attorneys previously have said lawsuits were being considered. 
Hatfield had his apartment searched three times as part of the investigation into who mailed the anthrax letters in the fall of 2001. He has bitterly denounced the treatment he says he's gotten from the government and the media in relation to the anthrax inquiry, saying he's been the victim of innuendo and gossip. He and his spokesman have criticized U.S. Attorney General John Don't Call Me Hermann Goering Ascroft for describing Hatfield as a person of interest in the anthrax probe, but not for clarifying what that term means. Authorities have not described Hatfield as a sus suspect in the investigation. Well, nobody said you were a suspect. You're just a person of interest. <laughs> it's like Robert Blake. He's not a suspect in Bonnie Lee shooting. He's just a person of interest because he used to be a big star on TV. Used to be. <laughs> Hatfield spoke Saturday to a conference sponsored by Accuracy and Media. Oh, those right-wing lunatics, a conservative media watchdog group. What the, what's that guy's name, Reed Irvine? I don't know. Turbine. I wonder. I wonder if he's related to Don Irvine Jr. The former government. See, it's always a giveaway when there's a junior running, and it's always a harness racing driver. You know, junior. Why is that? I don't what, know. What is that all about? Because it's kind of a, a family thing, I guess. It must you know, be. from Joe Marsh Jr. and Don Irvine Jr. and Get the honey, Junior. The former government scientist continues looking for a job. He was fired last month from a position at LSU, as we all know where he helped train emergency workers to respond to bioterrorism attacks. LSU didn't give a reason for the firing. They said they didn't like the way he looked. A Justice Department official sent an email to the program director in August directing him not to use Hatfield on any Justice Department-funded programs. Hatfield was working on one such program at the time. The email was sent right before he was put on administrative leave. An LSU spokesman has said that university officials only learned of the email after the university already decided to terminate him and that the correspondence had nothing to do with that action. When asked who he believes who is responsible for the anthrax attacks, Hatfield said, Throughout this entire year, I've tried to sit on the fence. There are times when I think it could be domestic. There are times when I think it is foreign. I don't know, he said. I don't have enough information. I haven't seen the powder. I don't have enough scientific evidence to make any sort of determination. Isn't that what they told him in LSU, to take a powder? <laughs> and since it was in the Deep South, you'd expect it would have been a B.C. powder. Sure huh? enough. Got it at the truck stop. I mean, if you live north of, like, uh, the Carolinas or Tennessee or, like, Kentucky, if you live north of there, you can't take a B.C. powder. You know that? Depends on where you go. Really? Yeah, they have them at the Stookies from coast to coast. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Right next to the peanut brittle. Oh, man. The peanut brittle is good if it's, like, uh, got a date on it within the last three or four years. <laughs> no, seriously, they have to check the date on there, the expiration date. I wonder just if like they're just display models. Mm, because if it says, like... Expired 1942. You know, it's probably not a good idea to be like uh, chomping on that unless you want to file a good lawsuit. As you watch your teeth like splinter and like, <laughs> into like chunks. I wonder if, uh, what's her name? If the uh, too good bitch. She, she probably spent a lot of time. She was in uh, Texas and all over right. the deep south, Tennessee. She probably spent a lot of time in Stookies. And maybe in Shoney's with what's her name? What was that broad's name up there in uh, oh, Georgia? Can't remember her name. Nope. That misunderstood very nice lady up there who lived in a trailer park somewhere in Georgia and overheard those three schmata heads that were on their way up to uh, making all kinds of wild statements to try to provoke her, and they did. And guess what? <laughs> Too bad for them. That's what happens, man. Payback is a bitch. Now, here we got a different broad on her. She might know something, but I doubt uh, it. There is a decision pending as to evening activities, and we'll be that as soon as possible. Oh, they're talking about whether they're going to put a curfew on there in that uh, area of Maryland where these shootings are going on? which could be just a little bit disconcerting, I would imagine. 157 votes on the poll. They're pouring in now, all the believers out there in Radio Land. Let's get all those good born-again Christians, all those Farbis and Agoyim on there, too, while you're at it. They're too busy uh, sending money to Israel. They're too busy dancing the Ahura and getting ready to celebrate uh, Hanukkah. Once you're dead, your history. 55 said that, which obviously... Let's uh, step on that cockroach again, okay? It's always a good idea. Or swat that skeeter. Get it. Especially now with what's going around with West Nile and everything else. Get that Skeeter, baby. 
You think there's a Skeeter heaven? <laughs> yeah, it's here. Yeah, Skeeter heaven. And I wonder if Bella Lugosi is competing for the uh, blood up there. You think so? They probably have to have a separate blood bank. Maybe that's where they take the blood of those of us that they won't take the blood from on Earth. Maybe they take it up there. there. Although I guess we're not going there. Uh, once you're dead, your history 55. There's only one hell. That's changing again. 57, like I said. There's only one hell that's in South Florida, 53. Life after death, but no heaven or hell, 25. 25 of the wishful thinkers out there who don't understand that once your brain and your heart dies, once your brain is dead, there's no you anymore, okay? There's no you. Only hell, 18. Heaven and hell, 11. And only heaven, 5. Ah. Oh, see, only hell is the crank vote now, 18. You notice that? Yeah, yeah. See, we can spot you phonies out there a billion miles away from here all the way to Hades, baby. We can spot you idiots out there. You Ojean provocateur goyam you. From here to Haiti. That's not so far. From here to Haiti or from here to La Republica Dominicana? Which, thank you for giving me a chance to say that again. 1013 at 560 WQAM. Let me say this again. Mattress shopping is a total waste of time the old-fashioned way. The newfangled way is just one simple phone call. It's as easy as that. Just pick up that thing and call our good paisans, our pally at... Dollar Mattress, 1-800-MATTRESS. They give you so much more than just great service. They give you a choice of the top mattresses in the world, exactly the kind that you like to sleep on, extra firm, extra soft, extra mild, extra whatever. They got King Coil and Simmons, Sealy, Serta, and, of course, they got a delivery deal that is second to none. You pick the day of the week, any day, seven days, like on a weekend, for example, like maybe on a Sunday, or, God forbid, on a Sunday when you're going to a football game, like I said, maybe on Wednesday when you're not doing anything else. Whenever it's convenient for you, any two-hour window, like 10 to noon, 11 to 1, noon to 2, 113 to 313, etc. And because they got everyday low prices, you don't have to sit around waiting for some special phony sale. No phony sales, just unbeatable everyday prices and a 30-day in-home comfort guarantee to test out the mattress the intelligent way by doing your thing on it. So pick up that phone and call them right now. They can be there before the end of the day, and you can be sleeping with a big smile on your puss as soon as tonight. Call 1-800-MATTRESS. That's what I always do. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Or check them out on that wicked World Wide Web if you like at mattress.com. Live and local. This is 560. The radio is all yours. QAM. And beat that gator meat. Are you a loser with no money, no friends, and most importantly, no personality? Yeah. Then maybe it's time you start shopping at the Duller Image. At the Duller Image, we know you're such a loser that nothing you buy is really going to change that. So all our products are simple, just like you. See this pen? It writes with ink. Wow. And this watch? This watch tells time. That's all. It just tells time. Neato. We also have radios that produce sound, headphones that fit on your head, and keychains that hold keys. So if you're a dull loser who can't afford the sharper image, come into the duller image today. The duller image. Because image is everything that you'll never have. 1018 at 560 WQM. I keep singing that song to myself over and over again all this morning. Volare, volare. See, the reason that they call it volare is because otherwise it wouldn't, I mean, you know, wouldn't have had the same sound to it. Yeah. Right? Right. Volare. See how it just, it's, but if you say volare, which would be the correct pronunciation on the Mo Howard show. Lawyers for oh, and also George saw the uh, Hannibal movie, read the uh, Dragon, yes. and said it was pretty good, just fine, but not great. Not great, good, not great. I'm shocked. I can't believe that you didn't wait for the uh, bootleg version. You must have been really antsy to see it. I didn't want to drive. You want to drive to go? You mean you mean you got a guy that that provides you bootleg copies of tapes and doesn't bring them to you? Sometimes he does. He was busy this weekend. Big shot guy like you has got a guy that's a provider of bootleg videos and doesn't bring them to you? Sometimes, like I said. Boy, 
I bet you Moses don't make you to go out of his house to pick up that stuff. What stuff would that be? I bet you Steve M. don't make you go to his house. Oh, that's right. He does make you go to his house in Davie. I don't Just know what his house is. And I'm maybe you might want to bond with Todd Dreck and Petey Lenny at his house, huh? While you're picking the seeds out. Speaking of that, what a great segue. Lawyers for Noel Bush asked to close drug court hearings. Noel Bush's attorneys have asked a judge to bar the public from court hearings on their client's drug treatment, saying media attention violates her right to privacy according to court records. Peter Antonacci, one of the three lawyers representing Governor Bush's only daughter, cited a judge's ruling this week that drug treatment workers do not have to testify about a piece of crack cocaine allegedly found in her shoe. This harsh glare of public scrutiny is the exact evil that both Congress and the Florida legislature sought to remedy by enacting broad confidentiality provisions to protect substance abuse patients, Antonacci said in court documents filed Friday. Circuit Judge Ronald Whitehead, who supervises the county's drug court, may decide to schedule a hearing now next week on Antonacci's motion. Court spokeswoman Karen Levy told the Orlando Sentinel on Saturday, Noel Bush is set to appear this week before Whitehead. He'll decide whether to keep Bush in the diversion drug treatment program or send her to criminal court to face charges from a February arrest. Bush was arrested for allegedly buying an anti-anxiety drug with a fraudulent prescription at Tallahassee Pharmacy, Xanax. Is that correct? Yes. Xanax. If she would have had Moses' home address, she could have gone over there and got it instead, okay? But instead, she goes and phonies up a prescription like a real rocket scientist because she's hooked. She's hooked on it. Bush threatens veto of defense bill. Alarmed by the cost of expanding military entitlement programs, President Bush has threatened to veto the $355 billion authorization bill for the new fiscal year of House and Senate conferees do not eliminate new pension benefits for disabled military retirees that could cost from $18.5 billion to $58 billion over the next decade. Oh, and by the way, speaking, speaking of movies, the worst movie in the history of the human race, bar none. Now, you know, I told you about that drive-in channel? Yes. There was a very funny movie, which I can't think of the name of it, a real wacko satire, uh, slap-happy about this trailer park trash couple. I, I wish I should have written that down. And there were like drop-ins. Uh, Maury Amsterdam was in it. Some really foul and vulgar stuff. It was hysterical. It was a panic. But the worst movie ever. There's not even a close second. It's called The Teacher. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I've seen it. You, you'd know if you saw it. And you know who's in it? I give up. Jay North. All right. Remember Dennis the Penis? Sure. Jay North could be the worst actor in the history of the human race. Now, you think that anybody who was a child, a very scrawny and grotesque and ugly and pasty and worst acting Jay North. In fact, if you look it up on the web, look up the movie The Teacher. Okay. There's one review of it on there by some reader, you know, some, uh, and just rips it and asks the likes of what you've never seen. And I thought, I was, I was high-fiving my monitor. I put my hand right on the monitor, just like a good born-again Christian. Because it's a, seriously, the acting was so bad, and you had the feeling that there was no script, that they were just kind of making it up as they went along. You've heard of B movies. This was this wasn't even a Z. There isn't a letter in the alphabet that would describe how bad this movie is. The teacher with Jay North. Oh yeah, my God! Were there any naked breasts in this movie? No. Okay. Only his. Oh. Oh. No. Tasty, nasty, ugly, scrawny, grotesque, worst acting job in history. Makes you wish that Mr. Wilson would have done him on once and for all, you know what? Come on, Mr. Wilson, you can get him. Hey, Mr. Wilson, there you go. Now, see, that that's a bad segue into this next story. I better, yeah, let me read the full result or do something, huh? No, but you don't know what this story is. Man in Canada to be questioned in Jennifer Shortcase. 
Authorities are traveling thousands of miles to the Canadian Northwest Territories to question a U.S. man about the shooting deaths of nine-year-old Jennifer Short and her parents, the Rockingham County Sheriff said this weekend. Sheriff Sam Page said the 66-year-old man who is being held by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for alleged immigration violations is among several people police want to interview, but of course no one, including him, has been named as a suspect in the case, because in the uh, there never are any suspects. Right. Only persons of interest. Page said late Friday it was possible that the man being held, described as an outdoorsman, could be deported to the U.S. He was an outdoorsman. I wonder if he drank water from a creek. Probably. He'll be having anthrax in no time. We'll go anywhere we've got to to interview any witness in this case, Page said. We feel we need to talk to him. He may be having some information that may be beneficial. Jennifer vanished August 15, the same day her parents were found dead in their Bassett, Virginia home. On Friday, police confirmed that DNA testing showed that a partial skull and bones recently found in Rockingham County, North Carolina, belonged to the girl. Page said Jennifer, like her parents, died from a bullet wound. Authorities began looking for the man after a search of his mobile home in Rockingham County turned up a map on which the community around the short home was marked. The mounted police force in Inuvik, Northwest Territories, said it arrested the U.S. citizens sought by North Carolina and Virginia authorities, whom they did not name. On Thursday, police said he was taken into custody at the request of the Citizens and Immigration Canada, eh? In a statement, the RCMP said the man was transported from Inuvik to Yellowknife. Oh, you don't want to go to Yellowknife because after Yellowknife, it's Medicine Hat, and after that, they send you to a Red Deer. And Moose Jaw. For further questioning by immigration and law enforcement officials, what do you know about Moose Jaw, mister? I saw it on a map. You don't even know Bobby Moose. The Northwest Territories are one of three Canadian territories which have substantial autonomy from the federal government. So how do you like that? But anyway, they've moved his ass over to Yellowknife. In fact, maybe if we're lucky, they'll give him the old yellow knife, you know? Save a lot of taxpayer dollars. Save a lot of schlepping him back here. Speaking of sick, a radio station suspended the disc jockey who called Daryl Kyle's widow in an on-the-air prank and asked if she had a date to Thursday's playoff game. Are you familiar with this story? No, that sounds really nauseating. Oh! The incident enraged Cardinals manager Tony LaRusso and prompted apologies from the radio station in the Arizona Diamondbacks. KUPD-FM, Cupid... This jockey, Bo Duran, was suspended Friday for at least a week, said Chuck Artig, market manager for the Sandusky Group, which owns the station. I guess that's Artigue. Artigue announced the suspension of the Arizona Republican Phoenix TV stations, but of course didn't repeat, uh, phone, uh, return repeated phone message from the AP on Friday. He's mum. Flynn Carl hung up the phone after Duran called her her Phoenix hotel room. Her husband, a starting pitcher for the Cardinals, was found dead in his bed at the team's hotel in Chicago June 22. An autopsy showed a 33-year-old pitcher died from blocked coronary arteries. The station's website carried an apology Friday headlined, In Response to Our Misjudgment. It said the prank was not intended to be hurtful or malicious in any way. We are truly amazed as how this turned into a media circus, and we regret the turmoil it caused to people all over the country, it said. The AP was unable to locate Duran on Friday. How do you like that? Sick. Really, really sick. As desperate morons on the radio continue doing more and more desperate crap to try desperately to get an audience. You know what the word is here? Desperate. desperate. That's the word. I mean, that's not even funny, like sex no. in a church. Sick. Really sick. No, sex in a church was amusing. That's what I'm saying. It was a hoot. But calling up some widow and uh, saying you have a date for their game, etc., and so on, is just about as sick as it gets. They ought to, like, they ought to tar and feather this guy in public. He ought to be drawn and quartered right in the middle of uh, wherever the hell I was. In, I, in fact, I got a better idea. Take his ass up to Yellowknife. Huh? Okay. Sounds good to me. Maybe he can do some shows in Yellowknife and Iqaluit and Inuvik. Piece of crap. Turdburger. Here's the parents coming to that school to take their kids home out of, out of the school in Bowie, Maryland. 
I don't want to start getting all melodramatic about it, but it's getting to be a little bit uh, much. You know what I'm saying? It's a sick, sick world, and if you saw 60 Minutes last night, you'll see a good part of the reason why. And, of course, don't be telling me, well, people don't go around shooting people because of religious fanaticism. Right. Just ask some of those abortion doctors. Oh, that's right. I forgot. They can't answer your questions because they're dead. Ask some of those pa Planned Parenthood workers who also can't answer your questions because they're dead. And then, uh, you know, that brought on there last night. Well, you know, uh, Yitzhak Rabin, he deserved to get uh, assassinated because it was God's will, because he should never assign the Oslo Accord in the first place, and blah, 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 blah. That's what he oh. gets for wanting peace. Brother. Brother. Keep them Christians away from you, okay? Believe you. If you see a, somebody says, I'm a Christian, run like a son of a bitch, okay? Run and call the police. Call the uh, non-Christian police. Hey, let me tell you something that is good for you that you can pop right in your puss and feel good about it. It's called Oleomed. Oleomed is a little capsule. Like I said, you just pop it in your mouth. It contains all kinds of good stuff in there. Pharmaceutical-grade olive oil combined with vitamins, minerals, and herbals. And there's a separate concoction to help different parts of your health. They have one product that's specifically designed to help your heart. One that's helped to control your blood pressure. One for your cholesterol. One for your prostate. There's one for your circulatory system, your digestive endocrine system, your skin, your bones, even your mind, and all of them use the benefits, like I said, of the finest olive oil that you'll find anywhere. And Oleomed's got products for men and ladies as well. Tell that Skippy, by the way, when he comes in, he's a real major asshole. Oleomed is an exciting new product that's helped thousands of people in the South Florida. If you want to pick some up, do it right now. Hop in the car and head over to Whole Food Markets or Walgreens or Sedano's or Navarro Pharmacy or make a pit stop at each if you like. For more information, call the toll-free number 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED, which you can also order online if you like at oleomedamerica.com. We're Sports Radio 560. <laughs> Cheney said lay off the ventilators, he brought investigation to an end. They were getting too close to the towel-headed bodies out of Texas for a barbecue again. With George and Pop, pushing the sorry butt up, pushing the sorry butt up, pushing the sorry butt up, pushing the sorry butt up. Three thousand lives will never be avenged. Cause you brainwashed monkeys. Also got them stupid. You'll put them back in office again. What the f***? Pushes a sorry butt up. 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 Mr. May ARP. Pushes a sorry butt up. Pushing the shorty butt. Pushing the shorty butt. Pushing the shorty butt. Got your horse, the foundation of Goyam. 10.33 at 5.60 WQM. Carlos, calm down. Give him a couple of doggy downers, will you please? Give him okay. something to try to control him. He's out of control. During the break, I don't know if you're watching this, but on CNN, there's another uh, teenager who was shot in Maryland. they got enough, enough uh, people getting shot up there already without your creating any, Carlos. It's the same one. Oops. You okay? You're going to be all right? It's only one ball game, okay? It's just a football game, all right? Calm down. Whole radio station. you got to understand, folks, it's a sports station, okay? 
We don't give a crap about terrorist attacks and about people getting shot and grotesque, horrendous things going on. We're, in, we're worried about important things like ball games. Right. Now you're talking. We got our priorities straight. Don't mess with us, baby, or I'll go to Greg Reed if you start messing with me. I'll go to the freaking water Nazi and Greg Reed. How do you like that? I'll get George's bonus taken away just out of spite. How do you like them apples? I'll have it deducted from his 18 paychecks. So did they bring you a new contract in or what? And what are you laughing about? I had that call on Friday from Muff, who was called to take my temperature. I said, don't stick it in there, baby. He called to take my temperature out by way of Greg. So that, that stuff should have already been taken care of. They should have already had sat down with Norman, had their meat, and ironed that out and got you all set there now. But, of course, you know the way they lie there. Lying is our middle name. Here's a fact that's from Rick. He says, if the Republicans make control of the House and regain control of the Senate in the November elections, squeeze your wallet tight. They'll be after your money unless you're one of the big right-wing contributors. Sodom will no longer be a big problem. You went inspection teams will be okay for now. Oh, I see. This is uh, all unconnected until the next election. All the CEO crooks that are on trial now will get bogged down, and the courts eventually be forgotten. Have you seen FSU coach Bobby Bowden since he had his facelift? I have to admit he looks better now, no more bag yet. No, I haven't checked him out, Rick. I haven't seen Bobby Bowden, okay? It's another girls' school is what that program has degenerated into. If they can't keep up the level of the semi-pro status of the Hurricanes, they can't compete, and that's what's going to happen this Saturday, man. I hate to even think of what the final score of that game is going to be. Bobby freaking Bowden, all right? He's got another girls' team up there now, just like the Gators. Who did the Gators lose to? Vassar over the weekend, I think it was? Old Miss. I think they lost to Yeshiva this weekend. Might as well have been. That's right. That's what you got because U of M, the Hurricanes, man, they go out there and they send up all those semi-pro guys, those big Schwarzers. They don't mess around. Now, how come they're sending me more of this uh, Cheryl Seal stuff that I already read this article? You know, why are you faxing me this? I already read this on the air. I thought it was you part lunatic. three. What? It said part three. No, I already had this. Okay. I already did this about John O'Neill did this, and one. this one said that, and uh, Luca Brazzi said this. I already had this, man. I think you I think you and Carlos must have had a visit from uh, from the uh, Steve M. from the wish. Yeah, I thought I think we're not getting food delivered anymore. I think we're getting drugs delivered. Oh! With all the hints we've been dropping on the air. Yeah, that's true. So it's just the same shooting in uh, Prince George's County, Maryland. Okay, don't let don't let Carlos get you people hysterical out there. Okay, it's tragic enough as it is, but uh, he's trying to compound it now. You've heard of compound interest? He's got compound shootings going on. Just calm down. I guess they're not checking these polls out, though, because we have a new poll. A solid majority of Americans believe President Bush should give U.N. weapons inspectors time to act and should wait for support from allies before invading Iraq, a new poll says, before an Iraq attack. The CBS New York Times poll out yesterday also found a large and growing number of people want Bush to get congressional approval before going to war, with many saying Congress has not asked enough questions about Bush's policy toward Iraq. The poll comes as Bush prepares to address questions about potential war in a primetime speech tonight. Congress is preparing to vote on authorizing force in Iraq later this week, and Bush hopes to persuade Americans as well as skeptical world leaders that now is the time to confront Saddam Hussein, now right before the election. The poll suggests Americans want him to move slowly. By a two-to-one margin, they said they would prefer to see U.N. weapons inspectors have more time to do their work before military action is taken. By a two-to-one margin. A majority, 56%, said that one country should not be able to attack another country unless it's attacked first. When people were asked the same question specifically about the U.S., they were evenly split. Fitty-fitty. 
Two-thirds said they approve of military action to remove Saddam Hussein as leader of Iraq, but a large majority, 70%, want the Bush administration to get approval from Congress. You don't have to worry about that. Those weak-kneed Democrats, man, they got spaghetti legs. 65% think it would be better to wait for allies before acting against Iraq. And 51% think that Congress is not asking enough questions about Iraq policy, while one in five said it's asking too many. Last month, 44% said Congress was not asking enough questions. Now it's 51 the poll of 668 adults was taken Thursday through Saturday uh, among the polls' other findings. Some of these are fairly interesting, by the way. Usually these polls are boring. Let me give you an example of boring poll, okay? Wait, wait till you hear this. MSNBC yesterday on their website, their poll question was, and they were promoting it on the year, do you think Osama bin Laden is still alive, yes or no? Uh. I mean, is, is that an intelligent, for an organization that's supposed to be a news organization, and they wonder why they got fractions and nobody wants to watch them? And they even took that Schwarzer off the air, by the way. They got him off there real quick, that Alan Keyes. Good. They said Alan Keyes is thinking out loud. And once he quit thinking after about two shows, that was the end of that. Wasn't that the name of it? Something like that. No I more Alan Keyes. Won't see him no more. No. Among the polls' other findings, despite concerns about the possible war, 7 in 10 would prefer to hear political candidates talk about the economy over war with Iraq. 7 out of 10 want to hear about the economy as opposed to Iraq. More than a third think the economy will get worse if the U.S. attacks Iraq, and half think military action against Iraq would increase the risk of terrorist attacks. Six in ten said a war with Iraq is likely to lead to a wider war involving other countries in the Middle East. Six out of ten. More than half. Listen to this one, Georgie. I don't mean you, I mean him. Okay. W. More than half, 57% said they would base their vote for a candidate on economic policy before foreign policy. Four in ten, 41 percent said they approved President Bush's handling of the economy, while 46 percent disapproved his overall job approval was 63 percent, which is still pretty amazingly good, but not what it was. More than half said they considered the economy fairly bad. 42 percent uh, said that. Very bad, 14 percent. So 56 percent said it's uh, fairly bad or very bad. Or as Mickey Mouse would say, terrible. Almost two-thirds said Bush should be spending more time on the economy, while a third said he's spending as much time as he can. Almost two-thirds said the president should be spending more time on the economy as opposed to, like, as they call it in uh, Yugoslavia, saber-rattling. Live and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. A lollipop, little boy? Hello, I'm Dan Burton, chairman of the Clinton Witch Hunt and Ways to Be Mean Committee, here to tell you about Christian Railway. The final solution to your travel needs. As part of the new compassionate conservatism, your yellow star will now earn you up to 5,000 travel miles on Christian Railways. Triangles will now give you 2,000 miles and 50 miles for pink. A lifetime airline gold pass will be awarded to any National Review subscriber who assassinates Chelsea to keep her from reading more Clintons. And when you hop aboard our plushly appointed freight cars, why, you'll get free water. Christian Railways, see? Republicans don't hate. We hate hate. Hate it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to hold my hand over this burning Kansas. Ten forty-four at five sixty WQM. You know that uh, Cheryl Seal piece? I did read that on here. The entire thing. In fact, that was the one I read. Okay. And you want to know how I know? Because the last line says, history will be kind to John O'Neill. It will not be kind to George W. Bush. Does that sound familiar? Sure does. That's because I already done that one on here. I already read that bedtime story, okay? And we don't have time for long bedtime stories that we already had once before. And I'll tell you one thing, this thing from Mother Jones, that's going to take a long time to read that. 
born-again Zionists. But since at least ten people in this audience saw 60 Minutes last night, and at least another ten beside that are pissed off and fired up about these crazy born-again Christians, I want you to look, do a little uh, detective work. We can't say it on the air, but you know that spot we just crossed out on the last break? Yeah. Did we find a reason for that? I don't know. But I think if you do some detective work, it might be very interesting. Okay. okay. I could be wrong about that. Maybe I'm a little bit paranoid, but since we had a new piece of copy and you just uh, we scratched that out, I don't think so. There could be only one or two reasons, which I won't mention on the air. Join the Overnight Boys, Joe and Mark tonight, 9 to 11 at Gatsby's and Kendall. Stop by to win prizes. Enjoy Crown World Specials. It's Monday Night Football at Gatsby's and Kendall. Go over there and get plowed. Make sure somebody else drives you home. Give them the keys. But go over there and get plowed because it promises to be a really crappy game, okay? So go over there and bug those guys a lot. Ask them a lot of questions about Mo and about Orlando Mare. Volare, volare. I can't, you can't sing it that way, you know? It just interrupts, it uh, doesn't fit in with the music. Can you do that? No, no, I, I wouldn't. Volare, volare. I just, it just, it don't work for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maureen Dowd's got another, oh, how's the poll coming? 258 votes. Uh, only hell, you notice that's the crank vote now, at least 40 phony votes. Which of these do you believe in? Once you're dead, you're history, 88. There's only one hell at South Florida, 70. Good point. Only hell, 43. That's the crank, uh, mostly crank. Life after death, but no heaven and hell, 29. Heaven and hell, 21. And only heaven, 7. How about 7-Eleven and heaven, huh? It sure is heaven to be in 7-Eleven, especially when you got a big gulp. Man. See, the one my favorite set of ones you can take a bath in. The yeah. sodas you can take almost like you put in your bathtub and fill it up. The big, the big, big gulp. Supersize it, baby. Supersize it. <laughs> Marine Dowd, well, now what's the word she uses today? And I rap scallion, I do know, I know that word. But she's got somewhere, well, I'll get to it. And then we'll like, uh, together lament, because I know you're not going to know it either. Anyway, she says there was a time in Washington when the word rapture was used to refer to rapscallion senators chasing exotic dancers or president enjoying a pizza with an intern. But now when you hear the word rapture whispered in political circles, it refers to the biblical vision of a terrible final war in Jerusalem between the forces of light and darkness and the consequent ascension of saved Christians snatched up to heaven from their cars, computer terminals, and food courts. A mere two months ago, Democratic leaders were rapturous about their future, thinking that, here it is, L-O-U-C-H-E. Lausch? Nope. See, it's a French thing again. Thinking that CEOs and crappy CEOs, crooks, and a low-key economy would combine to give them back the House and strengthen their control of the Senate as they headed into 2004. Now, with the White House's success in changing the subject to Iraq, Democrats see a future in the wilderness. They fear that President Bush, who alienated some Jewish voters during his campaign when he brought Jesus into the debate, but pleased many after he won with his unquestioning support of Israel, may be able to use a victory over Sodom to fulfill one of the Republicans' fondest dreams, a realignment of Jewish voters from liberalism to conservatism. Such a revolution will build upon the alliance that began in the Reagan era between conservative Jews and evangelical Christians. Oy. These days, the partnership is benefiting from the sense of a mutual enemy, Islam. The Reverend Jerry Falwell, who said Islam teaches hate, went further on 60 Minutes last night when he asserted, I think Mohammed was a terrorist. Evangelicals fervently support Israel for theological reasons of their own, based on a literal reading of the book of Revelation that entwines the Jewish commonwealth with the apocalypse and second coming. As Mr. Falwell instructs, you and I know there's not going to be any real peace in the middle of Jerusalem. Well, if he sits on the throne, do you think the media will be in there with their mini cans? I'm sure. Desperate Democratic senators and despondent liberals mutter that Jews are being snookered. You think the first coming of Christ was bad for the Jews? Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> 
when the rapture comes, they grouse the holy alliance between Christians and Jews will suddenly become unholy, with Christians levitating and Jews left behind to deal with the Antichrist, plagues, sores, boils, frogs, the endless indication of everybody loves Raymond, and locusts from the bottomless pit, each with a human face, horse's body, scorpion's tail, and a sting that torments for five months. This is a grim comedy of mutual condescension, said, says Leon Weisseltier, the Jewish scholar and literary editor of the New Republic. The evangelical Christians condescended Jews by offering their support before they convert or kill them. And the conservative Jews condescend to Christians by accepting their support while believing that their eschatology is nonsense. This is a fine example of the political exploitation of religion. On 60 Minutes, Mr. Falwell boasts to Bob Simon, it's my belief that the Bible Belt in America is Israel's only safety belt right now. Mr. Simon reports that Zion's Christian soldiers say there are bigger sources of support for Israel than American Jews, an ocean Mr. Weiseltier calls insulting to the American Jewish community. The Christian Coalition is holding a Christian Solidarity with Israel rally on the Mall Friday. Speakers will include Mr. Falwell, Pat Robertson, Tom DeLay, Jesse Helms, Oliver North, and the one-time Gary Hart companion in the monkey business, Donna Rice-Hughes. I guess they couldn't get Jessica Hahn. In addition to donning Christian spiritual armor against Israel's enemies, says the coalition's president, Roberta Combs, she must have been that bra that was on last night. Yeah. Participants will pray for a reform of our nation's soul by casting aside abortion, pornography, drugs, and other manifestations of moral decline. Influential Jewish conservatives inside and outside the administration have been fierce in supporting a war on Sodom, thinking it could help Israel by scrambling the Middle East map and encouraging democracy. But the Democrats are terrified that a resounding Bush war victory will unleash frogs in 2002, boils in 2004, and political Armageddon. What prophet in which desert would have ever dreamed that the four horsemen of the apocalypse would turn out to be Trent Lott, Tom DeLay, Denny Hastert, and Don Nichols? <laughs> Writes Maureen Dowden today's, in uh, yesterday's New York Times. Oh, brother, save us from religious crazy people. That's all I can tell you. That's, uh, that's pathetic. One and a half million march against attack on Iraq. Anti-war rallies change Italy on Iraq, question mark, writes Eric J. Lyman. This is on a really good uh, website, Common Dreams uh, News Center. Yes. More than one and a half million Italians took to the streets of dozens of Italian cities Saturday afternoon and evening to protest possible U.S. military action against Iraq, a surprise show of discord that could be fervent enough for the Italian government to rethink its support of Washington. The larger-than-expected protest took place without violence, despite speculation from some fronts that the gatherings could become dangerous, especially to U.S. citizens. On Friday, the U.S. Embassy in Rome circulated a warning to citizens residing in or visiting Italy to stay away from the demonstrations because of fears that they could become targets for violence. But even though the protests were peaceful, demonstrators made it clear that they opposed U.S. action against Baghdad. The stance is significant because up to this point, Rome and London have been President Bush's strongest allies in Europe. Most European leaders, most vocally Francis Jacques Chirac and Gerhard Schroeder of Germany, have called on diplomatic means to defuse tensions between the U.S. and Iraq. For several weeks, Italians have been saying that they're opposed to action against Iraq, but this is the first time they put those words into action. Maria Rossi, co-director of the polling firm Opinioni, told UPI. I wonder if she knows... Uh, or Orlando, uh, <laughs> the, sight of the sight of thousands of Italians on the streets protesting against the potential war in Iraq has to be a sobering sight for government officials who need public support for other issues. Government officials were not available for comment on their stance on U.S.-Iraq relations Saturday, but local TVs uh, drew the same conclusion as Rossi. If the government can ignore this, it can ignore anything, said one on-the-scene journalist for on the network uh, La 7 in Milan, La Sette. 
On this day, the Italian people have spoken. They say they're against support for the American position. Opinion polls support that view with a week-old survey from Opinioni showing that more than two out of every three Italians opposed any kind of armed conflict over Iraq and nearly four out of five Italians opposed to Italian participation in such action unless it was part of a U.N.-sponsored force. How do you like that, huh? As they say in most languages, no. That's what they say. Olinda Mare. It's just, it don't ring with me. You know what I'm saying? All those songs I used to sing. Olinda Mare. He kicks him far. You know? It just don't have that Italian ring to it. Olinda Mare. Where did that come from? Is he just making these new names up as he goes along or what, huh? I, I think it's a Jets conspiracy myself. How come I don't hear it? Oh, he was getting delirious in the heat. Down, a 34-yard attempt by Olindo Mare is right down the middle. Olindo Mare. We don't want to nitpick on stuff like that, do we? Uh. 1053 at 560 WQM. We got the Mad Dog coming at 1 o'clock. He'll straighten it out for it because he says Olindo Mare. Now, how, how can it be possible? Because he immediately followed it up by calling him Olindo Mare. I guess it's like Abbott and Costello, like Trick and Frack. Like uh, Wayne and Schuster. Something like that. Like... Uh, Lum and Abner. Thomas Friedman writes into uh, the New York Times yesterday. Anyone seen any Democrats lately? Had a boy, Tom. Ever since President Bush took office, I've had this feeling the only serious opposition party in America, at least in foreign policy, was made up of three people, and none of them were Democrats. The only three people Mr. Bush really worries about, the only three people who could take big constituents, constituencies with them if they openly parted company with the president on an issue like Iraq, are Colin Powell, Tony Blair, and John McCain. What happened to the Democrats? Well, I don't buy their whining that their voices have been cynically drowned out by Mr. Bush's focus on Iraq. The problem with the Democrats is not that they're being drowned out by Iraq. The problem with the Democrats is they have nothing compelling to say on all the issues besides Iraq. Iraq is winning control of the agenda by Democratic default, not by Republican design. I spent the last month traveling the country on a book tour during which I said that what worried me most after 9-11 was the kind of world my girls were going to grow up in. I ran into so many Americans who share that concern. After a talk in Atlanta, one guy came up to me, just opened his wallet, and showed me the picture of his daughter. He didn't say a word. The point is that I can assure the Democrats that while Mr. Bush may be obsessed with Iraq, most Americans are worrying about their jobs, the stock market, the environment, and the fact that their kids may not grow up as open, a, open and peaceful a world as they did. The biggest security concern of Americans today is not Iraq or Osama. It's the fear that America itself could be weakened by short-term greedy decisions taken by politicians squandering our hard-won surplus or corporate executives squandering our pensions undermining our markets. And Americans are right to be concerned because without a strong America holding the world together and doing the right thing more often than not, the world really would be a Habesian jungle. Got it? No. Don't you remember Lorraine Hobbs, a badass commie nigger? Oh. Because I believe that this is what is really gnawing in Americans, because I believe that Mr. Bush is not really addressing this broader concern, but is still running on the momentum of his strong military performance right after 9-11, there is a leadership opportunity for bold Democrats, but where are they? Where are the Democrats who are ready to argue forcefully that the future tax cuts that Mr. Bush pushed through are utterly reckless and need to be repealed because they'll erode the resources the government needs to remain a great power at this age of uncertainty, and they send a terrible signal to our kids, corporate leaders in the world, that all that matters is short-term, me-first gratification? Where are the Democrats who would declare that the best way to enhance our security, make us better global citizens, reduce our dependence on Middle East oil, and leave a better planet for our kids is a Manhattan project designed to develop a renewable energy source along with greater conservation? Mr. Bush has totally ignored the longing by young Americans to be drafted for such a grand project to strengthen America, and so too of the Democrats. Where are the Democrats who would declare that confronting Saddam is legitimate, but it must not be done without real preparation of the U.S. public? Decapitating Saddam's regime will take weeks. Building Iraq into a more decent state with real civil society will take years. But it is this latter project that's the most important, the one that really gets the underlying threat from the Middle East, which is, uh, which is its failed states. 
But do we know how to do such nation rebuilding? And if we do, do Americans want to pay for it? We need to go in prepared for this task, which is unavoidable, if we really intend to disarm Iraq or stay out and rely instead on more aggressive containment because half-hearted nation-building always ends badly and would surely weaken us. Why aren't the Democrats clarifying this? At the moment, the Bush team is leading the nation much more by fear than by hope. The Democrats can only win or only deserve to win if they can offer a bold alternative. <clears throat> that would be a program for strengthening America based on hope, not fear, substance, not spin, a program that addresses the primary concerns of Americans now, the future for the kids whose pictures they carry around in their wallets, writes Tom Friedman in yesterday's New York Times. Good point, Tom. Other than Ted Kennedy, where are the Democrats? Anybody seen any lately? No. Other than those spineless cowards on there like Dick Gebhardt and the waffling uh, Tom Daschle, who are all over the place? Even at the Waffle House, they never saw so much waffling going on. Although you do like waffles, huh? Yeah, I do Belgian waffles, especially okay. they're nice and crispy. With a lot of whipped cream and mm. strawberries. 1057 at 560 WQM. Hey, if you spill the whipped cream and strawberries on a carpet, man, you're going to have a mess. In fact, I guarantee that you plenty of things. Soda, hot fudge sundaes, dogs, all kinds of stuff. Not only gets uh, spilt onto your carpeting, but also when you walk on there, it grinds it down in there in the fibers of your carpet. If you want them looking just like brand spanking new, here's the answer. Call the Miracle Workers at Dry Concepts. I've been using them in my house for about a 1,000 years, seriously, over 20 years. And they've been around in town for well over 20 years. And the reason they've lasted that long while the others have come and gone is because they do a stupendous job and they give you a square deal all the time. They give you a written guaranteed price before they start the job. They dry clean your carpets, which sucks out even that deep down dirt, makes them look like brand new, smell lemony fresh. They're dry in a couple of hours, and it's like a miracle right there on your floor. And they also do an unbeatable job of cleaning your furniture and drapery, spot dyeing, fiber protection, carpet repairs, implant oriental rug service, deodorization, and if you have a flood in the house, complete water damage restoration, too. Nobody nowhere does it for you like Dry Concepts. In Broward County, call 954-370-7778. 954-370-7778. In Dater Palm Beach, it's a toll-free call, 1-800-248-5071. 1-800-248-5071. Clean today, entertain tonight with Dry Concepts. Sports Radio 560 QAM. Happy In the tradition of the disaster musical comes Andrew Lloyd Webber's Jews in the Attic, the Anne Frank Diaries. You'll leave the theater humming those catchy tunes like No More Beans. I'm writing all this down. Don't flush till the Nazis go home. I'd turn in my parents for a stick of deodorant. It's Jews in the Attic, the Anne Frank Diaries. CD available now. Oi. 1102 at 560 WQAM. So anyway, I'm looking at the schedule for tomorrow, and not only is Mo not on there, but I noticed something very interesting, if you know, which you probably haven't noticed yet because you're not as perspicacious as I am. Okay. Steve Goldstein and Don Bailey Jr. tomorrow morning. No right. Mo. And look who's the, doing the updates. Beast. The Beast. How do you like that? I'm sneezing. And he's only the beast is only there when I'm always not. So I guess the deal is they can't be on the show together. I guess that's the <laughs> ultimatum. No, seriously, if they if Mo is away, then the beast can play. But if Mo is in town, then beast uh, goes down, down down the hall like Maybe somewhere they just else. Need the third person when uh, Howard. Yeah, goes. yeah, yeah. Likely story. So you're always making excuses for stuff like this. Here's a good editorial from the Washington Post yesterday. Ties right in with what we're talking about. By the way, when we get to the bottom of the hour after the break, don't let me forget. I better start this, uh, and don't be faxing me all this stuff. Save it, save it. I don't have time. I... Unless it's really great. Is it great? No. Because I hear that fax machine back there cranking and cranking and cranking and cranking. It's kind of like what they do on Are our you'll, pool, you'll you know. Be interested in this. On what I'm picking up right now? Yes. An all-out blitz? 
Oh, about Tom Brady. Well, that, that can wait, especially after yesterday, okay? He can wait. Give him a haircut, by the way. He needs. He, I think that's what done it was Tom had bad hair yesterday. It was a bad hair day. It was bad all the way around, Tommy. Nobody's perfect, sweetheart. He still looks a lot better than Jay Felix. We don't care bald. how the quarterback looks. Huh? I think he's going bald. Tommy, yeah, he's got a, he is getting a bald spot. You're yeah. right. He's got a receding hairline. And if they keep having games like yesterday, he may lose it real fast in the hair, too. He'll be all right. They'll be okay. One game doesn't make a season, okay? Yeah, you're right. Now, what was I just about to say there? Oh, yeah, when we get to the bottom of the hour, um, I'm going to have to start that article of Born Again Zionist because it, it's, I don't know how long it's going to take. It's very long, okay? All right. It's ponderous, and when you do a bedtime story that's that long, you don't want to be uh, interrupted uh, mid-follow what I'm saying? Right. Before the show, because then we'd have to go over on Mad Dog Show, you know? And reading a thing about born-again zealot, uh, far-bissing born-again Christians on a Mad Dog show, especially the day after that big Dolphin victory. I love what Mad. I did hear that one thing where he said at the end of the game, it's electric here today. It's been electric. It wasn't electric. It was a boring game. It was a bad game. I mean, I give the Dolphins credit. Their defense played great. But it, it was a bad game. It wasn't exciting. It was never close. It was a foregone conclusion. It stunk. You want to see a great game. How about that Oakland-Buffalo game, huh? Drew Bledsoe passes for 50,000 yards every week, and they still lose because they have no defense. As soon as the other team gets the ball, oops. And once in a while, Drew completes it to the guy in the white uniform. Sorry, Drew, that's the wrong guy. But that, that, that was an exciting game. 49, what was it, 49-35, something like that? Yeah, I think it was 50. I think they scored 52. But whatever the hell it was, it was a lot of points, an exciting game. Up and forth and back and forth and the lead changing. That's an exciting game. Now, I'm not playing the Dolphins on that because of the fact that the Patriots missed the bus. New York, uh, Washington Post, rather, editorial yesterday, defaming Islam. One of the high watermarks after 9-11 last year was President Bush's leadership in urging Americans not to condemn Islam because of the actions of extremists in the name of their faith. He set aside his war planning to visit the mosque at the Islamic Center of Washington, where he reminded the nation that Islam is peace and admonished Americans not to take out their anger on innocent American Arabs and Muslims. In an appearance before a joint session of Congress, Mr. Bush denounced the terrorists as traitors to their faith. The preachings of Osama bin Laden, he said, were a grotesque distortion of a great religion, and despite several highly publicized incidents of threats and lashing out at people thought to be Muslim, most Americans have heeded the president's message resisting the ugly lure of religious intolerance and hate. The same, however, cannot be said of some key leaders of the religious right in America who are counted among President Bush's closest political allies. And their noxious mix of religious bigotry and anti-Muslim demagoguery, Mr. Bush's silence is deafening. How do you like that? Let me read that sentence again. Sentence. And on their noxious mix of religious bigotry and anti-Muslim demagoguery, Mr. Bush's silence is deafening. We have in mind several religious conservative leaders who count Mr. Bush as one of their own. There is the Reverend Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son and successor, and a participant in the president's inauguration who has declared Islam a very evil and wicked religion. And there is Christian Coalition founder and TV evangelist Pat Robertson, who said that to link Islam as a peaceful religion is uh, fraudulent. Mr. Robertson, in full attack mode himself, called the Prophet Muhammad an absolute wild-eyed fanatic, a robber and brigand, a killer. And in an appearance on the CBS program 60 Minutes last night, the Reverend Jerry Falwell completed a demonization of a religion by smearing the prophet of Islam as a terrorist. These are not just the words of a fringe movement. The speakers are leaders among the religious right in America, moving close to a president who speaks their language. Their embrace is mutual. It therefore falls to the president to break his silence on their gross distortion and to put some distance between their rhetoric and his own professions of tolerance. To avert his gaze from their actions is to permit the Falwells, Robertsons, and Grahams to legitimize their own perverse teachings through their association with the president of the United States. If their words are not his, then the president must say so. So says the Washington Post. How do you like that, huh? All right. Yeah. Well put. And I guarantee he's mum. He's as mum as it gets. 
Because just like Falwell said last night, there's 70 million of us, baby. We're, uh, we're, we're he's tied to us. And he's gonna get more letters. We and got him emails. by the short ones, man. That's right, how they got a hundred thousand. As soon as they told Israel to get out of the goddamn, uh, after they, um, made that last grotesque incursion there, and they said, he said, get out. Hundred thousand telegrams. They were knee deep in telegrams. It was like in the movie Network. They were up to right. their armpits. They were sucking telegrams at the White House from all these born again fanatical lunatics. You leave Israel alone, baby. And they say, okay, you can stay. Do whatever you want. Have some halava. James Bush's fans fret over his controversial remarks. Speaking of intemperate comments, this is from the Palm Beach Post. Governor Jeb Bush's usually well-disciplined campaign is still trying to grapple with what may be the most serious mistake of the campaign. His own words. <clears throat> Caught on tape talking about devious plans to undermine a state amendment requiring smaller public school class sizes and juicy details about an alleged lesbian relationship between two former caregivers of missing mommy child, Rilly Wilson. Bush tried Saturday to change the subject with little effect. <clears throat> little effect. <coughs> I'm gagging on it. Uh-oh. A little, little diet soda there. Now some of Bush's closest advisors privately are worried that Bush may have done serious damage to his campaign at a time when his race against Tampa lawyer Bill McBride is perilously close. All right. Bush's strategists say they can only hope that news reports about his conversation last week with five conservative panhandle lawmakers quickly will fade from the front pages in evening news. Bush didn't realize a reporter from Gannett Regional Newspapers of Florida was present taking notes and recording the conversation. If on Monday we're still talking about this, we're going to have a problem, said a Bush advisor, who asked, of course, not to be identified. Stay tuned, says the McBride campaign, which spent a second day hammering Bush. What I say in private is the same thing I say to you from this podium, McBride told 130 leaders of union groups in Orlando. His supporters could hardly contain their glee at Bush's discomfort. I think the governor has made a very, very serious mistake that he's going to have to answer for, said Sarah Benedict, an Orlando legal secretary. I think what voters are seeing is the real Jeb Bush, someone who has little tolerance for people who don't look like him or act like him or smell like him. Democratic Party leaders said Bush's words could mark a major turning point in the campaign. Oh! oh. What was that? Oh, oh! Jeb has handed over some huge ammunition, said Bob Poe, state Democratic Party chairman. This is the kind of thing that all, uh, all his money can't explain away. I wonder if Bob Poe ever ate at Poe, folks. <laughs> White soup at a red soup, huh? Oh, there's something about the South that just gives me the willies. A Republican Party strategist working with Bush did not disagree, saying the governor's election team was, was struggling with the problem, was waiting for the nearly certain Democratic TV ads that'll try to keep the issue fresh until the November 5th election. Poll would not speak specifically about future ads, but McBride's campaign made it clear the Democrats would not let Bush off the hook. He said, can you let me off the hook for old time's sake? Can't do it, Jimmy. This is an important issue when people are getting a chance to see what the real Jeb Bush is all about. And it's not a pretty picture, said Tony Welch, a McBride spokesman. Republicans plan to launch new attacks on McBride's record as managing partner at Holland and Knight. New stories already have explored McBride's record there, where he's both credited with making it one of the top U.S. law firms with generous pay and benefits for even the most junior workers and criticized for letting the firm grow too fast, resulting in layoffs after he left. Todd Harris, Bush's campaign spokesman, said the recent controversy is unfortunate for us because more of what it drowned out than anything else. Well, too bad. Too bad about those juicy and devious plans, baby. And that's exactly why he's he's one of what we're talking about today. Exactly. Him and that whole uh, family. Bunch of hypocritical, right-wing, born-again, goody-two-shoe, Bible-thumping, phony baloney, dysfunctional assholes is what it's all about. That's exactly what it's all about. You left Make out no bigot. mistake about it. Huh? You left out bigot. Well, that goes that goes with the territory. Just like that piece in the Washington Post. Religious bigotry, zealotry, insanity, hate. 
which is what religion promulgates more than anything else. It doesn't give most people peace of mind. It gives them an excuse to legitimize their hatreds. Always been that way. Been there, done that, continue being there, doing that, always will. And these lunatics that want to drag us kicking and screaming into Armageddon, we'll wait, okay? We're not in any hurry. We've waited this long. We can wait another, uh, you know, a couple hundred years. We'll wait. Rabid. Those people on that show last night were rabid. They might as well have been foaming at the mouth. Crazy people. Just like that. That's what they should have been doing. And, of course, it's good that they put this stuff on there so that everybody can at least have an opportunity to be exposed to what it's all about. But on the other hand, they get so much goddamn time. Every time there's any any issue going on in the world, whether it's attacking Iraq, whether it's the economy, whether it's anything, there's that fat-faced uh, Fart Falwell on there rubbing his uh, purple tinky-winky. With a lot Who of the hell up. gives a crap about what he has to say? Why should we care about that? Because he's fat. Because he's fat and disgusting and a religious fanatic and a hateful piece of crap. That other sin, than that, by the way, gluttony's a sin, Jerry. Yeah, gluttony's a sin, you turd burger. Just you, you and Ernest Ainsley, who makes everybody else heal, but can't grow his own hair back, huh? Maybe if he would just take off that awful-looking piece. He should have been on our poll the other day, you know, bad-looking hair pieces, but I guess they forgot about him. Ernest Ainsley, say baby, baby, say baby. The worst hair piece in history, man. He made, uh, he can make uh, Sam Donaldson look like Tom Brady. Oh, that's right. Tommy looked like Sam pretty soon. Let's send Tom Brady to Charles Alfieri in a couple of years, okay? Is it a deal? Sure, why not? We'll hook Get him up. a deal. 295 votes on the poll. Which of these do you believe in? Once you're dead, your history, 101. There's only one hell. It's South Florida, 82. Only hell. Forget about that. Those are all crank votes. Life after death, but no heaven or hell, 35. Heaven and hell, 26. And only heaven, 8. Oh, thank heaven for the great 8, you know? Well, that's good. I mean, that's pleasant. We're all going to go to heaven. And we're going to sit around. Of course, oh, we aren't going to see each other because we're going to have no body. Right. But we'll be saying, oh, I, I feel there's a spirit over we there. Won't Can you... wanna, we won't want to see each other. Yeah. It's just like when you see pictures of people you went to school with 30, 40, 50 years ago, and you say, oh, I don't want to see them anymore. Thank you. 1113 at 560 WQM. Does this sound like you overworked, underpaid, stuck in a dead-end job, and underappreciated? Uh-huh. Well... Do yourself a favor, pick up the phone and call the good people at Fast Train, our good pallies, at this toll-free number, 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. The demand for certified computer professionals has never been bigger and better than it is right now, and Fast Train can help you achieve a new career in as little as four months. Fast Train is South Florida's largest certified Microsoft training center with locations in Pembroke Pines, they're in Fort Lauderdale, they're in Kendall, and in prestigious Miami, too. Fast Train offers convenient day, evening, and weekend classes for you. They got a full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience. So if you're overworked, underpaid, underappreciated, jerked around in some dead-end job, if you're working for some butt plug, don't wait one more minute. Pick up the phone and call Fast Train and get yourself on the way to a real career and a real fat pay uh, paycheck. <coughs> See, as soon as I said real fat, I started gagging. <coughs> call 1-866-FAST-TRAIN and think about it. In just four short months, you can really be on your way to becoming a high-paid computer professional in a career with great earning potential. Take my advice. Pick that thing up right now. Squeeze it, fondle it, and then pick up the phone and call Fast Train. 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Or check them out on the web if you like at www.fasttrain.com. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. U-A-U-A-N. Hi, this is G. Gordon Liddy, and they don't come any worse than Neil Rogers. Welcome back to the Mo Howard David Show. Where we're chock full of zany, but good, clean family fun. Ah! You know that pipe-smoking jizz-guzzler thinks rape is funny? 
Is that funny? Planes crashing into buildings is funny too, huh? What? 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 Since when is gang rape funny? Especially when it's me getting my tea bag grabbed. What a jackass. Hey, how about them hurricanes? No, 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 no. Don't go tap dancing when I talk. This is important. They don't know comedy. I'll show them comedy. Today I brought my collection of Lum and Abner tapes. Who? Lum and Abner, you moron. They even named the restaurant after Lum. Uh-oh. Ah, you clueless schmuck. We'll get back to that later. Right now it's time for our transcendent mid-show snack. Bring the morning mayor his food. Ooh. Ah, here they are. My favorite place to dine. Zygotza Boca. Dig in, everybody. Mm, what is it, shrimp? Looks like a donut. No, it's uh, the veined embryos from Planned Parenthood in the hood. But it's good. Try it with the uh, cocktail sauce. Hey, hey, Beast, go play that Alice Cooper record. Dead uh, There's a little atmosphere for you to help it go down the gullet. Hey, baby, I really dig that Alice Cooper. See? I'm with it, and I'm hip. I'm a hipster. If these punks only knew what was good. Here, I got some more sense in here to cleanse your palate, dude. Thanks, Mo. All right. Well, we got the Meathead Mad Dog coming up at one, followed by that fat Joe right after the queer and the spit. What's that? It's a plane! It's a plane! Where? Where? It's headed right for your ass, Mo! Bend over quick! <laughs> 1119 at 560 WQMC. You know what they know about the uh, shooting at that school in Princess County, uh, Maryland? Nothing. Right. Absolutely nothing. But a press conference is scheduled shortly, and I'm sure they'll be just as informative as all the other press conferences we've had every day since Wednesday, in which they're going to say, we don't know nothing. Yeah, you're right about the Tommy Brady stuff here. Like, it's uh, pretty interesting. From the uh, Boston Globe. So if it's from the Boston Globe, it probably is pretty interesting. It says the media Madison Avenue are throwing themselves on football's newest star, Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. All right. You can't escape him. Going to Dunkin' Donuts and Tom Brady is there larger than life, flashing those perfect white teeth and flogging the new steak egg and cheese sandwich. Drive past the city bus and there he is, sexy despite the silly milk mustache, urging you to drink three glasses a day. Tom Brady with a milk mustache, huh? Pick up a recent TV guide. He's grinning at you from the cover. Ditto for Boston Magazine and Sports Illustrated and Tough Stuff and GQ, where he's lost a $28 million smile but kept a trademark cleft chin. In huge type, the story begins. Tom Brady is the latest and most glamorous in a recent line of wholly unanticipated Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. In the past several months, Brady's been asked to judge the Miss USA pageant and visit the Playboy Mansion. He said yes to the first, no to the last one. He's been named one of People Magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People, alongside Cameron Diaz and Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington! He's appeared shirtless on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Oh, I just happen to have that right over here, which calls him the new prince of the NFL. Beckett Football Card Monthly put Brady on its most recent cover, and Tough Stuff's cover features him throwing a football. The Patriot, Tom Brady, is the NFL's All-American boy, it says. The cover also announces a special deal. When a $550 Tom Brady signed helmet, an autographed 16 by 20 inch photo of him is listed at 180 bucks. Just a year ago, the sixth round draft pick was specializing in warming the bench. The Patriots' fourth string quarterback, Brady, had thrown a ball exactly once in a pro game. He was earning uh, for the year what Drew Bledsoe made in half a game. But that was before last September 23rd when Bledsoe was seriously injured and Brady was called in off the bench. The rest, of course, is Super Bowl history. Tom Brady's a nice guy. He hates to say no to fans, to reporters, to endorsements. The result is he's everywhere. His dimple chin is now as familiar as Britney Spears' belly button. The women love it, but 
But the Brahmins who believe your name should be in the newspaper three times in your life when you're born, married, and die are doubtless horrified. As long as he wins, New England's fickle fans are okay with it. If he keeps losing, watch for a region-wide case of Tom Brady fatigue up there with the West Nile virus. If his teammates are jealous of the attention, they hide it well. That's what a pretty face will get you, along with a lot of athletic ability, said David Patton. Willie McGinnis and Larry Izzo jokingly noted that Brady has a separate shower in his own locker room. I think Tom's gotten a little bit big-headed, said McGinnis. We have to make an appointment to speak to him in the locker room. Seriously, he adds, he's pretty well-grounded. He's a normal kind of guy. He's a California kid like myself and plays with a lot of heart. But one NFL source who has not to be identified believes the overexposure of Tom Brady could get ugly. He's not sophisticated in this area, and his agent is not doing him any favors. In the long run, it's not good for him. His value will deteriorate, and it could potentially cause problems on his team. Baloney, we say, like chocolate and the Beatles, you can never get too much of a good thing. Herewith, we offer our own list of possible magazine covers for Tom Brady. Martha Stewart Living, Tom Brady's tips on turning a helmet into a vase. Vibe, hip-hop hunks, P. Diddy and T. Brady. Newsweek, a year later, a nation remembers Tom Brady. American Girl, Tom Brady dissects Harry Potter. Uh, CQ, get the Tom Brady look, scally caps and jeans. The Atlantic Muckley, Tom Brady drafts a plan for global dominance. Modern Maturity, Tom Brady's mom shares her secrets on HRT. Town and Country, from Franklin to Quincy, uh, Quincy, I'm sorry, How I Went Big City by Tom Brady. Business Week, How Tom Brady Outsmited the Beer, with an S in apostrophe afterward, in parentheses. Got it? Got it. Food and Wine, Burgers and Beer with Tom Brady, Yankee Magazine, Tom Brady Shares His Apple Pie Recipes. And this just in, in the very latest issue of her magazine, Rosie O'Donnell, the queen of self-promotion, which I guess would be the last issue, announces a new collaboration. She's turning Rosie into Tommy, the first cover story, The Art of Overexposure. How do you like that? And speaking of overexposed, that disgusting fat bitch was on this morning with Paula on CNN on that awful morning show. Oh, good golly, Miss Molly. Are we ever going to see the end of her? No. She's one of those people who refuses to go away. She keeps threatening to go away. She quit the TV show. She quit the magazine. And she just won't go away. Philip Morris loses $28 billion suit. California jury orders number one cigarette maker to pay record punitive damages. $28 billion. <laughs> I got that right here. Philip Morris Company, the number one cigarette maker, was ordered Friday to pay a record $28 billion to a 64-year-old woman with lung cancer who blamed her tobacco addiction on the company's failure to warn her of the risks of smoking. Right. Philip Morris vowed to appeal after L.A. jury awarded Betty Bullock of Newport Beach, California, what the company said was the largest single judgment against it. Higher before the news, shares of Philip Morris tumbled more than 7% Friday. The $28 billion would amount to 38% of the company's $72.9 billion in revenue last year. I think it will be reduced. $28 billion is a bit much, said Marty Aronson, a tobacco analyst at Aronson Washington Research. Still, Aronson respects the award. Or rather, suspects the award may encourage suits beyond California where juries have appeared more willing to favor plaintiffs in tobacco cases. The industry keeps saying it's a West Coast phenomenon, Aronson said. I don't think we know it's just the West Coast. I think the industry has got some rocky roads ahead. And we all can agree on one thing. We love rocky roads. Mm. Man, no fish food. It's no Nestle's turtle. But we do love our rocky road, don't we? Yes. You bet. Shown off. Airport knife sends man to jail. I wonder if it was a yellow knife. <laughs> a Wisconsin pharmacist who carried a knife in a carry-on bag through Palm Beach International Airport security was uh, devious in concealing it under the insole of a running shoe and intentionally violated national security, a judge said Friday, and handing down a 30-day jail sentence. Palm Beach County Judge Paul Moyle, he must have had some cutting comments, you know what? 
said a message had to be sent to airline passengers and the American public in a case that drew heavy news media attention and was taped for later broadcast on court TV. James Cobbs, 40, acted as his own attorney and tried to convince jurors uh, last week that he mistakenly placed his shoe with a knife in his carry-on bag while shuffling three pairs of shoes between his bags. Huh? He mistakenly placed his shoe with a knife in it in his carry-on bag? The judge rejected that claim, and Cobbs, for whatever reason, chose to try to bring the knife aboard the March flight. There is zero tolerance. There are consequences. This is national security issue, said Moyle, who praised the airport screeners for detecting the knife. And you know what a Moyle does with a knife, huh? Yeah, I do. That's right. F and A. So when in doubt, sniff him out. I think I think we'd all agree. You know, that's good punishment. I'll send him back. <laughs> send him back home. 1126 at 560 WQAM. For years, you've heard me talk about diets, about losing weight. And you want to know why? Because a lot of us are fat. That's right. Everybody and their brother is trying to take advantage of you. Well, let me tell you right now, there's a store that wants to give you an opportunity to go in there and browse around, try a little bit of this, a little bit of that before you buy it, and see all the amazing, the zillions of products they have, specifically designed for people who are desperate to lose that weight. Can you imagine a little no-carb, no-fat, delicious scoop of ice cream on a hot day like today? Is today a hot day? <laughs> Where? Here? Yeah, sure ain't here. Of course. On a hot day like today down there. How about over a 1,000 low-carb or no-sugar products just ready for you to taste? And these things are all waiting for you at Delights of West Boca, your Atkins headquarters. And you can always, like I said, try them before you buy them. And at Delights, it's 25% off all Atkins products all the time, from candy to cookies, snacks, breads, and vitamins. Delights of West Boca's got it all with more great stuff arriving every day, like the new controlled carb brownies they just got in. Four delicious flavors like peanut, coconut, classic, and cherry. And they taste like Grandma's recipe, although my grandma never made brownies, I don't think. My mother made brownies. I don't think my grandma ever made anything worth eating. Delights of West Boca on the northeast corner of Glades in 441 and Boca opens. Although she did make good matzo balls, and you want to know why? Because they were hard. The oh. back of the uh, spoon stuck to the matzo ball. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. When, you, no, that's when you go to chop off a little piece, the back of the spoon sticks to the matzo ball. Then you know you've got mm. a real ball. Firm. Delights of West Boca on the northeast corner of Glades in 441 and Boca open every day till 10, seven days a week. Call toll-free 1-877-LOW-CARB or check them out on the web at lowcarb.com. And thanks a lot for that stuff you sent up here last week, by the way. My. My. And local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Go f*** yourself. I'm seething like a white Christian about the Jews and gay homos. How I'd love to bury those Christ-killing fairies Who don't know the Bible like I know I'm seeing like a white Christian and how we all must think and act alike and not to think whenever it's appropriate. Yes, wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody in the world was white and Christian and looked the same and said the same things? Boring? I don't think so. No, to me, that would be paradise and the Republican way. I seething like a white Christian, and how we all must 
think alike. All the gays, black and Yiddish, must die until everybody's Christian and white. Eleven thirty-two at five sixty WQM. You forgot to remind me to read this article at eleven thirty. No, I didn't. You didn't? No. Hey, don't forget to read that article. It's eleven thirty. Oh, thanks. From Mother Jones, October. It's it's a long one, man. It's long, and I'll have to like uh, break it up. You know, something too bad, because how many people do you think read Mother Jones in this audience? About three. Two. Even I don't read Mother Jones, which I should. I like it. it's a good magazine. Got some good stuff in it. And uh, who is this addressed to? To George. Yeah, but you didn't subscribe to it. They called up and I uh, asked them to sub send a subscription. The reason I know you didn't yes. subscribe is because it's spelled with a G. George with a G. Is that George with a G? Rodriguez, huh? They called and offered and I said, yes, thank you. That would be nice. Sure. Absolutely, positively. We'll take it. Born-again Zionists, Christian conservatives are teaming with hardline Jewish groups to transform American policy toward Oy. Israel. More of the same on what we saw in 60 Minutes last night. Nearly three decades after leaving his job as a marketing manager at Colgate-Palmolive, Ed McAteer, who we saw last night, considered one of the godfathers of the modern religious right, still sounds like a salesman. In a well-honed patter, he tells of introducing Jerry Falwell to then-presidential candidate Ronald Reagan, discussing spiritual matters with Jesse Helms and John Ascroft, and helping organize the evangelical movement that's become the most powerful grassroots component of the Republican Party. But no subject excites the 76-year-old born-again Baptist more than his unequivocal love for the Jewish people and the state of Israel and his increasingly influential role as one of the nation's leading Christian Zionists. The passion of McAteer, a gregarious man with a toothy smile and thinning wasps of brush-backed hair, is evident during a prayer breakfast in May for more than 200 people at the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. I'm delighted and thrilled and just pumped up to be here, McIntyre tells the crowd in a Tennessee drawl, nearly bouncing behind a podium backed by brightly colored banners celebrating the biblical tribes of Israel. Before him sits the self-described inner circle of Christian Zionism, pastors, preachers, and religious activists who quietly but effectively lobby for Israel. With a born-again Christian in the White House and events in the Middle East spinning out of control, McIntyre recognizes the power of those in the room to influence U.S. policy on behalf of Israel. The best friends that Israel has are those people who believe that the Bible does not contain the Word of God, but that the Bible is the Word of God he announces to the faithful. He must use that expression a lot because that's what he said last night, too. Mm -hmm. When McIntyre left the business world in 1976 to help organize the Christian right, the idea of the Israeli government working hand-in-hand -hand with conservative Christians would have been difficult to imagine. At that time, some evangelical groups were openly anti-Semitic and associated with the John Birch Society and other far-right groups. Today, though, Christian conservatives provide Israel, and in particular, the hardline Likud party of Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, with its most important political support in this country. They oppose Israel ceding land to the Palestinians and are pressuring the Bush administration to close Palestinian offices in the United States. They've also have close ties to GOP congressional leaders and to a group of high-ranking hawks in the Pentagon led by Deputy Defense Secretary Paul Wolfowitz that some deceiters inside called the Kosher Nostra. They are very vocal and have shifted the center of gravity toward Israel and against concessions, says Doug Bandow, an evangelical who serves as a senior fellow at the conservative Cato Institute. It colors the environment in which decisions are being made. Indeed, thanks to top-level connections and grassroots activism of evangelical Christians, U.S. policy in the Middle East has never been so closely aligned with Israel as it is under the administration of George W. Bush. As the conflict in the Mideast has heated up, even some of the Jewish state's most ardent supporters have been surprised by the president's strong pro-Israel stance. 
Given the influence of conservative Christians, it's no surprise that Israeli embassy has an office of interreligious affairs that hosts monthly briefings for evangelicals, welcomes church bus tours, and organizes breakfasts. Church leaders listening to McAteer this morning have flown to Washington at their own expense to represent congregations as far flung as California, Colorado, Pennsylvania, and Florida. They wear American and Israeli flag pins that they received at the door from embassy officials, and each will take home a short video showing Israeli soldiers fraternizing with monks last spring outside the besieged Church of the Nativity in Jerusalem. Following a rousing rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner, they sing Hatikva, the Israeli national anthem, and listen to several Christian compositions, including a Pat Boone original, Israel, O Blessed Israel. In public, Israeli diplomats usually speak in the secular language of international politics, but here before a group of Christian believers, they talk of biblical prophecy. It is no coincidence that our prayers for Christians and Jews complement each other. Moshe Fox, the embassy's minister of public affairs, tells the audience. He quotes extensively from the Old Testament, in which God promises the Jews a land flowing with milk and honey, before adding, <coughs> and diet soda, before adding, I call on you to carry this prayer and help turn this divine promise into a reality. Those gathered at the embassy are eager to take up the call. As they see it, America and Israel are both engaged in a religious war against terrorism. That makes the two countries natural allies, says Gary Bauer, head of the Campaign for Working Families, who follows McIntyre to the podium. I've been asked over and over again with this puzzlement, why are you standing with Israel, Mr. Bauer? Are you an evangelical Christian, he says. His short stature belied by delivery home during his 2000 presidential campaign. <coughs> Not enough diet soda, you know. Drink some more. Well, my goodness, why would we not stand with Israel? Why would we not stand with a nation in the Middle East that's a democracy? Why would we not stand with a nation about which God says, if you bless it, I will bless you, and if you curse it, I will curse you? That's good enough for me. I don't need anything else, says Mr. Bauer, the unctuous right-wing goose-stepping Gary Bauer. Amen, replies his audience. Some nodding their heads in agreement, their eyes closed. Many attending the breakfast are part of a significant wing of the evangelical movement known as dispensationalists. They work to support Israel, ironically, because they believe it will lead to the ultimate triumph of Christianity. For then the ongoing crisis in the Middle East has been prophesied in the Bible. After Jews reclaim the Holy Land, non-believers, including Jews and Muslims, will perish in Armageddon, and Jesus will return as the Messiah to lead his followers to heaven. I've read the end of this book, says evangelist Janet Parshall, another speaker, whose daily radio program is syndicated to three and a half million Christian listeners nationwide. I know what happened, she says. God. Let's take a pause at that point, okay? Can we take a pause? <clears throat> she knows what happens, and for most of us, it ain't good, okay? It ain't good. I wonder if it's good for Tom Lehman down there at Hallett Pontiac. Well, Tom's got a good sense of humor. He'll just go with the flow, you know, because he's been doing that for over 35 years. And that's why they're in such a good mood down there, because they're always doing great business. Because they've been treating folks right and giving them unbeatable deals for over 35 years. And at one same great place, Hallett Pontiac GMC, 13401 South Dixie Highway. That's on US 1, right across from the falls where the Neal deal is going on again. That's right. You can save big dollars on all Pontiacs and GMCs in stock. But just mention you heard us talking about Hallett Pontiac here on this program, and you'll save even more. That's right. Check out the complete line of GMC SUVs while you're there, including that snappy, spiffy Envoy voted by Motor Trend as SUV of the year. Plus, check out the all-new gas-guzzling Vibe SUV that's got the power of a big, expensive sports car without the expense. Hallett's also got, as always, a great dependable selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And like I always tell you, if any of the other guys turned you down for credit, if you weren't good enough for them, guess what? You're good enough for Hallett Pontiac. So get your ass down there. Hallett Pontiac GMC, 13401 South Dixie Highway, open every day, seven days a week. You can call them at 305-238-4040. And when you call and talk to Tom, say, hey, Tom, what do you think of old Mo? 
and Olindo Mare. 305-238-4040 for Hallett Pontiac GMC, who do be professional grade. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. <laughs> I need help. My friends, I believe it's time this country had some moral Christian leadership. And for that, I need your checks and money orders. Five at 560 WQM. Don't forget, join the Overnight Boys, Joe and Mark tonight, 9 to 11 at Gatsby's and Kendall. Stop by to win our usual QM crappy uh, cheap prizes and enjoy Crown Royal specials, the big Monday night football get-together tonight at uh, Gatsby's and Kendall. In Washington, this article goes on. What's the name of the article again, Neil? Born Again Zionist by Ken Silverstein and Michael Scherer in the October issue of Mother Jones. Thank you. In Washington, the Israel lobby has traditionally been synonymous with the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, APAC, an organization headed and largely directed by American Jews, Rightfully considered to be one of the most powerful organizations in the capital, APAC has 130 employees, including seven full-time lobbyists, and its members shower Democrats and Republicans with millions of dollars in political contributions. In recent years, though, evangelicals who dwarf the number of American Jews have played an increasingly important role in building political support for Israel. The active alliance between evangelical Christians, American Jewish organizations, and conservative Israeli leaders dates to the tenure of Prime Minister Menachem Begin, who took office in 1977. Begin and his Likud party used religious arguments to justify confiscation of Arab land and shared in common with American evangelicals, though not most American Jews, highly conservative views on social questions like abortion and welfare. Begin cultivated ties to emerging evangelical leaders like the Reverend Jerry Falwell, honoring him with a dinner in New York in 1980 and presenting him with a Learjet for his efforts on behalf of Israel. Since then, all subsequent Likud prime ministers have carefully strengthened ties to American evangelicals. In 1996, Benjamin Netanyahu created the Israel Christian Advocacy Council and flew 17 Christian leaders to Israel, where they signed a pledge that America never, never will desert Israel. And in December 2000, Sharon addressed a group of 1,500 Christian Zionists who had traveled to Jerusalem, saying, We regard you to be one of our best friends in the world. But it is only over the past year since the election of Bush and the attacks of 9-11 that conservative Christians have put support for Israel near the top of their political agenda, helping to push the Bush administration to side firmly with Sharon and to pressure the Palestinians to replace Yasser Amafard. 
Well-known figures like Falwell and Pat Robertson have been at the forefront, but dozens of other evangelical leaders and organizations are active across the country. McAteer runs a Memphis-based political network that raises money for the Christian right and introduces candidates to Israeli leaders. In April, he and five other evangelicals sent a letter to Bush urging him to stand with our friend and ally Israel as they attempt to defeat the same forces of terrorism that we've been battling since 9-11. A minister near Denver, George Morrison, raises support for Israel through his church and helped organize a national conference in June attended by 600 evangelicals. Also attending the event was Esther Levins, an elderly Jewish woman from Kansas City who brings together disparate groups of Christian Zionists through the National Unity Coalition for Israel. Levins founded the group after she saw a poll declaring that 70% of Americans supported Israel. I knew that only 2% of Americans were Jewish, she says, so I thought, why not go and try to find the other 68%? Some conservative Christians have visions of growing even more influential than APAC when it comes to American policy in the Mideast. Richard Hellman, a former GOP Senate staffer and born-again Pentecostal, hopes to organize at least 7 million followers as members of his lobbying group, Christians Israel Public Action Campaign. Someone once referred to us as APAC's little echo, Hellman says with a laugh. Maybe it will turn out to be the echo that roared. Lobbying by conservative Christians has already proved vital to Israel, especially during its recent military campaign. Marshall Whitman, former top lobbyist with the Christian Coalition and veteran of the Elder Bush administration, credits evangelicals with getting their message directly to the White House and says that they're in constant communication with Bush's political director, Karl Rove. These folks are fervently pro-Israel within the high councils of the Republican Party, and their views have probably sharpened the president's own thinking, Whitman says. He personally identifies with the born-again evangelicals within his own party. Unlike his father, who is generally viewed as the president whose policies were least sympathetic to Israel, Bush has taken an increasingly hardline stance <clears throat> against the Palestinians. In April, the White House issued what was widely seen as a half-hearted call for Sharon to withdraw his forces from the West Bank. When the Israeli leaders refused to do so, the administration continued to hold Arafat responsible for almost all the violence between the two sides, eventually calling for his removal as head of the Palestinian Authority. Of course, the administration's pro-Israel stance is not entirely the result of evangelical lobbying. Israel has long been the largest recipient of American aid, receiving $3 billion last year. The evangelicals are important, says former CIA Director James Woolsey, an advisor to the Jewish Institute for National Security Affairs, but less in a political sense than as a reflection of the widespread support that Israel has in this country. Yet with the election of Bush, evangelical activists enjoy unprecedented influence among top administration officials. No one has a monopoly on the ear of this president, but he's more receptive to the pro-Israel message than his predecessor, says Rand Fishbein, a lobbyist and consultant for defense contractors in the U.S. Army. And in this administration, there are more avenues to get that message to decision-makers. Conservative Christians have especially close ties to a group of hawks within the administration led by Wolfowitz and Under Secretary of State Douglas Fyth, two of the highest-ranking Pentagon officials after Secretary Don Rumsfeld. Fyth, perhaps the administration's most fervent supporter of Israel, has said the Israelis should reoccupy all land ceded to the Palestinian Authority, even though the price in blood would be high. Before joining the administration, Fyth was honorary policy chairman of the National Unity Coalition for Israel and chaired the board of a pro-Israel think tank called the Center for Security Policy. Frank Gaffney, Jr., an assistant secretary of defense under Ronald Reagan, who runs the Center for Security Policy, notes that hardline supporters of Israel now find their views welcomed at the White House. It's the old issue of pushing open a door, says Gaffney. You're seeing an American government policy being profoundly influenced by beliefs that are shared by the pushers outside and the people on the inside. Christian evangelicals also wield considerable influence in Congress, where they won support for Israel, even among lawmakers who represent states with relatively small Jewish populations. The two top GOP leaders in the House, Majority Leader Dick Armey and Whip Tom DeLay, are among Israel's staunchest advocates on Capitol Hill, despite coming from Texas, a state where Jews represent less than 1% of the population. 
Delay agrees with hawkish Israelis that the West Bank and Golan Heights are part of Israel rather than occupied territories. An army has advocated forcibly removing Palestinians from the West Bank and relocating them to Arab countries. Sounds good. Lobbying by conservative Christians has also provided GOP leaders in the Senate with a way to wrap their support for Israel in biblical terms. In March, Senator James Inhofe of Oklahoma gave a speech on the Senate floor in which he said that he supports Israel because it is a strategic ally, a roadblock to terrorism, and because God said so. There's probably no one in Congress closer to Israel than conservative Senator Sam Brownback of Kansas, a state with 14,000 Jews, 0.5% of the population, most of whom haven't voted for him. A former Brownback staffer, Sherry Dollinger, now handles outreach to the evangelical community for the Israeli embassy. Christian conservatives provide the political base for most Republicans, says one GOP staffer. Most, many of these guys, especially the leadership, are real believers in this stuff, and so are their constituents. Backed by evangelical Christians, conservatives in Congress have worked to drive American policy in the Middle East to the right, taking even more of a pro-Israel stance than the administration. In April, Secretary of State Colin Powell met privately with Senate and House conservatives and asked them to withdraw resolutions in support of Israel's incursion into the West Bank, saying they would complicate efforts to broker peace talks. Votes on the resolutions were postponed for a week, but were then approved despite White House objections. Liberal Jewish groups who favor a negotiated settlement with the Palestinians were alarmed by the political impact of evangelicals. They see any concession as a threat to Israel, and in this way they strengthen the hardliners in Israel and the United States, as Rabbi Eric Yaffe, head of the Union of American Hebrew Congregations, that may make it difficult for the peace process to go forward. But on the whole, American Jewish groups have increasingly accepted Christian support. In 1999, when Falwell declared that the Antichrist is alive and Jewish, the Anti-Defamation League charged that his remarks were rooted in Christian theological extremism and bordered on anti-Semitism at best and are anti-Semitic at worst. Recently, however, the ADL has remained silent on Falwell, and in May ran an ad in major newspapers that reprinted an article written by Ralph Reed, former head of the Christian coalition that was titled, We People of Faith Stand Firmly with Israel. And in July, the Zionist Organization of America honored Pat Robertson for his work on behalf of Israel. Oh, ah, my lunch is coming up, and I haven't eaten it yet. The group's president, Morton Klein, insists that anti-Jewish sentiment among Christian conservatives is mostly a thing of the past. You find hints of anti-Semitism among many non-Jewish groups, and a few evangelicals may have anti-Jewish feelings, he said. But I've spoken to dozens of Christian Zionist groups, and I've never encountered any anti-Semitism in my child of Holocaust survivors. Instead, I have found a great love of the Jewish people. I'm thrilled they're helping Israel, and I think they're doing a great job. They are more pro-Israel and pro-Zionist than most Jews. Jewish leaders also tend to downplay the theological beliefs of Christian Zionists, many of whom believe that Jews will eventually be destroyed in Armageddon. In fact, the more devout fundamentals say that once Jews establish complete control of the Holy Land, Christ will stage his second coming, then Christians will be raptured to heaven, and many Jews who have survived the ensuing apocalypse will convert to Christianity, thus fulfilling God's original covenant with the Jews. That's a risk that Jewish leaders like Morton Klein are happy to take, given the political crowd of evangelicals. I'm willing to make this deal if they continue to support Israel's prosperity, security, and survival. Then if Jesus comes back in the future, I will join their parade, Klein says. Hey, if I was wrong, no problem. Oh, brother. Woo! Good time for another break, I think. Okay. You don't think? I need a towel. Yeah, if, if Jesus comes back, he'll sign up. He'll sign up with them. How do you like that? Sure. Hey, me too. All I can say is... Oi! Sports Radio 560, QAM. Well, uh, it be the 12 to 1 hour on WQAM. Hello, I'm Sal. And I'm Harry. Here to tell you about our special place. Just a short little drive. From New York is the Pocano. Hey. 
Let's go. That's where I wanna go to get away from it all. Where was that? In the Poconos. We'll have some lunch and then we'll see a show with Tony Orlando in the Poconos. Get a hot shake time. You pour the champagne. Sit by the pool and act like a schlub. Let's get the chicks. You can meet a nice girl. Over by the exercise club. Hey, Julie, over here. In the Poconos. Skytop and Buckhill. Camelback and Bushkill. Mavelli and Shawnee. Don't forget Mickey Rooney. Split Rock and Cresco. Booby, let's go poking in the Poconos. We'll have some lunch and then we'll see a show with Tony Orlando. In the Poconos. Let's go. Did you forget your oh, teeth this I know. Morning? I got my teeth in a little bag with the water and everything. I think I just came up with a great new marketing idea. How about delis for born-again Christians? Okay. Yeah, some uh, kosher delis. Well, not kosher necessarily. Some delis, like I said, with like a big cross over the front side. No, no, you, you're on the right track. Kosher is good because that's an adherence with the Word of God, you see. In adherence with the Word of God and also uh, cozies up to those ultra-right-wing Jews. The Hasidim. And that crowd. Nuts in of fact, a feather. In fact, uh, since they want to be so cozy, cozy, we can have, like, they can come in and wear the tallis, and then you can personally, like, uh, wrap the wrap to fill in around, their, wrap it. around their neck. Mm -hmm. Going, there's only one page to go here. I realize this is long, but it ties right in with that piece on 60 Minutes last night. I think it's important to know, even though, of course, we're not <coughs> going to change very many minds, but nevertheless, especially in our one little corner of the world on this one make-believe radio station, but I'm doing the best I can. Here's the latest on that uh, shooting, by the way, at the school in Maryland. Nothing. I mean, they continue, pop, 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 because it's 24-hour news channel, so they have to keep going, pop, pop, but they got nothing. It says, evangelical leaders are waging a two-front campaign for Israel, lobbying Washington while rallying financial and political support across the country. The day after attending the prayer breakfast at the Israeli embassy, Ed McAteer returns to Memphis, where a pro-Israel rally has been organized by the Memphis Jewish Federation, a local charity that provides social services. Unlike their counterparts, who would organize similar rallies in New York and Boston, Jewish leaders here in the buckle of the Bible Belt have reached out to the city's Christian leaders for support. It's very important for all faiths to know the issues that unite us. Andrew Groveman, president-elect of the Jewish Federation, says before the rally, we're all good people of the book. It's just a question about whether it's a different book. The advertised speakers include as many pastors as rabbis, as well as two congressmen with solid Christian constituencies, Ed Bryant and Harold Ford, Jr. As people filter and holding signs that read, Bless Israel, Bless Your Own, and Arafat is a Muharib, an Arabic word for enemy, a video plays over and over again showing gruesome montages of the Israeli victims of Palestinian suicide bombings. The Likud mayor of Jerusalem, Ahmed Olmert, appears live via satellite to ensure the crowd that his city stands strong and undivided. I wonder if they showed any pictures of the butchered Palestinian children. I doubt Probably it. Probably not. The Christian ranks add hundreds to the standing room only crowd of 2,000. Thomas Lindbergh, pastor of the Memphis First Assembly of God Church, tells those assembled about a tour that he led to Israel last year. My old he church. Felt... I beg your pardon? I used to go to that church. You did? Assembly of God, many years, yes. 
You went to the Assembly of God Church? And proudly, three times a week, thank you very much. Not You're going to burn in hell, mister. That's not the right one. Anyway, he says, we felt that special nature that God has put upon that land and given to his people, the Jewish people of the world. And let me say today that we, when I say we, I represent the Assemblies of God here in America, three and a half million of us, 42 million Assemblies of God people around the globe. We love Israel. Doesn't this sound like that Barbara Stelly stuff I was screaming about sure a week or two ago? I love Israel, the Jewish people. I love my life. Verbatim, word for word, when this whole right-wing agenda first came out. That's a long time ago, back on the WS News. Barbara Studley, the Jewish people, I love my love, my love, my love, Israel. And, of course, some of the Jews at that time, I don't want to mention Lou Drone or any of those other people, just sucking it up, man, just sucking it up. I got news for you, Lou. Well, never mind. Doesn't this kid still work for Power 96? Don't know. After the rally, McIntyre makes clear that he and other evangelicals see their role in the current conflict less as peacemakers than as unflappable supporters of Israel. Like other conservative Christians, he believes that land now occupied by Israel should not be returned to the Palestinians, that they get caught under some unfortunate circumstances. That doesn't change the fact that the land doesn't belong to them and they have no right to it, McIntyre says. McIntyre and other evangelical leaders believe that Arabs and Muslims can be traced back to Ishmael, the unfavored son of Abraham who was promised by God vast land and resources, but who would never be satisfied with what he had. No matter how much good fortune Arabs receive, McIntyre says, they'll never know spiritual peace. Find an Arab six feet four inches tall, he says. Have him as handsome as Clark Gable. Give him a body like Charles Atlas. Give him the title to a fifty million dollar mansion. Put him a hundred dollar, uh, put him a hundred million in the bank, and then so that his resources will not be diminished, give him the title to fifty gushing oil wells. That man should be the ideal happy man, but he's a Muslim. Have him stand on a little piece of geography called Israel that backs up between the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean, and if he sees a Jew walk by with all he's got, all his happiness diminishes. He's got fever in his soul. Oh, I wish we had Peggy Lee to sing Fever. Yeah, just snap the fingers and put a little one of those, paste one of those things on your head, like Enrique. Maybe you can borrow his. <laughs> At day's end, McIntyre rushes over to Brit Hadasha, a Memphis synagogue used by a local congregation of Messianic Jews. Oh, Messianic Jews! Oh, Jews oh, for Jesus, my appetite baby. for life. This evening, evangelicals, including some from a group called Christian Friends of Israel, are meeting there. In recent years, the group raised $100,000 from local Christians to purchase an ambulance for Israel, organized a Holocaust memorial at a nearby Baptist church, and paid for 70 Russian Jews to immigrate to Israel. Now they're working with kindred spirits in Kentucky and Maine to start similar organizations in those states. Prompted by McAteer, they rise one at a time from the synagogue's gallery to testify to the work they've done for Israel. They speak about the letters they've written to Congress, the crypts they've taken to the Holy Land, the relationships they've forged with Jewish neighbors. Here is the very engine of that vast political religious machinery that McAteer has helped to organize, the local groups whose political activity is driven by an unwavering belief that this is God's work. They've been charged by the Bible to love Israel, love the Jews, and await the return of their Savior. We don't have the answers, says Emily Joel Greer, a member of the group. George Bush does not have the answer. Arafat does not have the answer. Ariel Sharon does not have the answer. It's going to be Jesus. Sharon Lindsay, a member of the congregation, says she looks for divine intervention when she watches for the evening news. When I see that the president of Saudi Arabia has come to make a peace plan and then has to leave because his brother's had a stroke, I wonder, is that the hand of God? And am I praying not for my ideas of what should be, but for God's will to triumph? Amen, says McIntyre. And with that, his most recent marathon of prayer and revival comes to an end. McIntyre heads home knowing that with ongoing turmoil in the Middle East and the unwavering beliefs he witnessed in Washington and Memphis, God's plan for Israel and the world is right on track. That's it. <clears throat> in the September-October issue of Mother Jones. It's right on track, baby. Oi! Armageddon. And believe me, most of us are going to be getting it at that point. 
But like that one Jewish guy says from the ADL or whatever, is, well, if Jesus comes back, then I'll uh, sign up with him, you know. Yeah, sure. It's convenient. Maybe I can make a deal. Maybe I can sign up wholesale, some kind of crap like that. Talk about having no principles whatsoever. Talking about being naive and stupid. Just like those old Jews back in the W. Snooze days. Old Jews on W. Snooze with that Barbara Studley crap. Oh, I just love the Jewish people. And boy, they were crelling from her, man. They were sucking it up like last uh, week's halava. You couldn't believe it. They were sucking it up like a free early bird dinner. Tragic. And no matter how much I would try to tell them, oh, no, she's wonderful. She loves us. Uh, yeah, 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 right. What the hell do I know? An old faggot like me, a heathen old fag like me. What do I know? Just because I've had a little deli every now and then. In fact, I think I'm going to the pickle barrel for lunch today just out of spite, uh, out of protest. I'm going to have some kishki. How do you like that, huh? All right. Just to protest those farbissant born-again Christians. You know, the interesting thing about after 9-11 happened, and they started screaming about Islam and about how intolerant the Muslim religion was and about how they kept talking about the infidels this and the infidels that, meaning that anybody who didn't share their fundamentalist interpretation of Islam was going to be in, burn in hell and was the enemy and yada yada. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But now as, now as we look at born-again Christianity, this, this fundamentalist view, it's no different. It's the same thing. Jesus is coming back to save them, not the rest of us, and only, only if we'll sign up with them, only if well. we'll sign online. What do you want? Lunch. Man. Palm Beach Post says an editorial um, yesterday. It says, for a security threat, try AIDS. Smallpox is frightening because it ravages the body with abscesses, spreads like wildfire, and often kills. Though no active cases have been reported, Americans need to be concerned about preventing it. AIDS is a different story. It's a silent pandemic spread by pursuits carried out on out of sight, such as sex and drug use. Yet 42 million people live with HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, about 1 million of them in the U.S. Bioterrorism threats force Americans to think about smallpox, anthrax, botulism, and other deadly germs, but most don't think much about AIDS until new reports startle us, as several did scare me last week. Oh, this is not an editorial. It's an article by Fran Hathaway, the Palm Beach Post editorial writer. Same difference in yesterday's Palm Beach Post. The first report came from the National Intelligence Council made up of experts who provide analysis to the CIA, the State and Defense Departments, and the National Security Council. Two years ago, the council warned that the global spread of AIDS should be considered a threat to American security. Last week, the council said that by 2010, the epidemic's next wave could infect 50 to 75 million people in countries containing 40% of the world's population, India, China, Ethiopia, Nigeria, and Russia. That's double or triple the estimate other experts projected a year ago. The second was a Palm Beach Post story from Bell Glade about a medical report, reportedly the first that will evaluate the effectiveness of anti-AIDS drugs on African Americans. In Palm Beach County, blacks make up 13.8% of the population, but 65% of HIV-AIDS cases. In Glades, the figure is nearly 92%. There were two stories out of Washington. In one, the Population Action Council reported that 8 billion condoms a year are needed worldwide to help people protect themselves against HIV-AIDS, yet though condoms cost just 3 cents apiece on the international market, Wealthy countries such as the United States aren't doing enough to support programs that distribute them. There is more information in the report Condoms Count from the Population Action Council, a private not-for-profit organization that supports voluntary family planning programs. The second story was a stunner. The Bush administration, the Associated reported, is hindering, you read that correctly, AIDS prevention efforts. For example, the website for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Law has included information on the effectiveness of condoms in preventing HIV. It's been pulled. In addition, the Department of Health and Human Services is reviewing agency spending on AIDS prevention, treatment, and research. The HHS Inspector General is investigating at least AIDS, eight AIDS programs to see if their content is too sexually explicit or promotes sexual activity, the AP reported last week. From the Washington Post, the moves come as conservatives are pushing the White House to emphasize abstinence programs. 
President Bush has asked Congress to increase spending on abstinence-only education to $135 million, a rise of roughly 33%. The administration's insistence on teaching abstinence without any scientific evidence that it's effective reminds me of Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign against drugs, if only it were that easy. Poll after poll shows that most parents want their kids to receive comprehensive sex education. The Sexuality Information and Education Council of the U.S. released a new poll last week showing that lower-income parents and guardians overwhelmingly support sex education that teaches all aspects of sexuality, including preventing pregnancy and sexually transmitted diseases. As for national security, America is not threatened by its one million infected citizens, but what could happen if AIDS drains countries of their most productive citizens, weakens governments, and shreds the social fabric? As it is, about a third of Russia's pr uh, prospective military conscripts are ineligible due to HIV or chronic hepatitis from drug use. By 2010, the global HIV burden could be 80 to 110 million cases, the Intelligence Council says. If that's true, conservative ideologues are blocking prevention efforts, that it's a shocking and deadly revelation. Let me read that sentence again. If it's true that conservative ideologues are blocking prevention efforts, it's a shocking and deadly revelation. While Bush war planners worry about Iraq's store of lethal germs, the AIDS wave silently surges. Writes Fran Hathaway in yesterday's Palm Beach Post. And there you go again. The right-wing lunatics are the ones controlling the agenda, whether it's stem cell research, whether it's AIDS prevention, whether it's uh, sex education, no matter what the hell it is. These people, these good God-affairing Christians, who certainly would never lie to us, came in and stole the goddamn election, and now all of a sudden they want to take over the whole goddamn world. Not just the whole country, the whole world. Gee, maybe, they can, maybe they can sell, save all of us before Armageddon, you know. Which I the rumor has it, a week from the next circus is going to be Armageddon. <laughs> Twelve minutes afternoon at 560 WQM. Well, that still gives you plenty of time, though, to get you a new mattress from Dial Mattress. And then, then you can sleep soundly at night, you know, with all these problems in the world, all this crap going on, all these people that want to wish you, uh, you know, to hell. Just uh, tell them to go to hell. Just pick up the phone and call 1-800-MATTRESS. That's all it takes, that one easy phone call, baby. You'll get the best name brand mattress at an unbeatable price. We're talking about everyday low prices. You don't have to sit on pins and needles waiting for some special sale <clears throat> because every day there are unbeatable prices on name brand mattresses like Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coil, and they got exactly the mattress you're looking for in stock ready for nearly immediate delivery. And don't forget, speaking of delivery, you pick the day in the two-hour window for your delivery any day, seven days a week when it's convenient for you. And please don't forget about that 30-day in-home comfort guarantee. It's the only intelligent way to test out your new mattress. So if the old mattress has had it, if you're not getting a great night's sleep every night, uh, get yourself the finest mattress that money can buy delivered right to your door. In fact, they can be there still today. Just pick up the phone and call 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, and tell them that fat old Neil told you to call, or check them out on the web if you like at mattress.com.
kissed my cheek and winked her eye and said, we're all alone in the house. But I got sick when she gave me a kiss, chewing tobacco in her mouth. All us rednecks sure love incest. Cause sex just ain't as good unless it's family. Because all us rednecks practice incest. So come meet my new wife. She's my niece. I just got me a farm with horses, chickens, cows, and pigs. A four by four that I adore with tires that are too damn big. The rear window, it has a gun rack. That's where I keep my gun. A rebel flag and my wife in the back. My neck is red from too much sun. All us rednecks sure love incest. Cause sex just ain't as good unless it's family. Because all us rednecks practice incest. My sister is the one over there with the dirty knees. Every union's it's hard to choose. Who's got the nicest tooth? And I don't like the way my daddy has been watching me. About 20 to 560, WQM, we got the Mad Dog coming along at 1 o'clock. He'll be euphoric today, boy. He'll be dancing in his pants. Make no mistake about that. He'll have St. Vitus dance in his pants. And then we got Hank at 3 with uh, who? With Matt Moore at 5. And then you got Hurricane Hotline from David Buster, 630 to 830, which is evidently so important and so highly sponsored and uh, something that we have to wait uh, to join in progress the Giants-Braves Game 5 of that playoff series tonight. Do you understand that? Well, why am I asking you? Uh-huh. How about Carlos? Does he understand that? No, I have no interest in baseball whatsoever. No, I'm not saying I'm interested or that I'm going to watch it, which neither one of those would be the case. Although, how about those twins, huh? Oh! The contraction kids. I do like seeing that, and I did like seeing the Yankees lose, although I didn't watch one second. I didn't watch one pitch of any of it because I'm with you. Baseball is so boring, man, especially now with hockey season starting this, uh, oh! this coming week. In fact, when the hell does it start? It starts Thursday night for the Leafs. Thursday, Leafs at uh, Pittsburgh. And what about the Panthers, boys? How's the Panthers doing? Anybody know? No. <laughs> <laughs> On your Panther station, when anybody uh, in the morning gets mention- mentions anything about the Panthers or hockey, get shot on the spot. That's the rumor I'm hearing. I could be wrong about that. The only person who's allowed to say anything about the Panthers is Olindo Mare. Placement is down. A 34-yard attempt by Olindo Mare is right down the middle. boy, Olindo. He kicks him far, eh? Rhymes with. I mean, am I All wrong? Right. Is is he not Italian or what? Huh? I mean, last time I checked, he was Italian. See, I remember Michael Paré, the actor. Remember him? Yes. He was a frog. Right. But his name, I believe, was spelled well, regardless of how it was spelled. Uh, he was French. And it was pronounced Paré. Right, Paré. As in gay Paris, Paré, Paru. Oh, let's all go to Peru. What do you say, huh? Let's go to Lima or Lima, Ohio. 
But the fact of the matter is that, I, I don't know, in fact, maybe Mad Dog will spend at least a half an hour on it instead of, like, thrilling about the goddamn game yesterday. Because that kid's, oh, Ricky this and Ricky that. How about Jay Fiedler, huh? How about that nice run he made for that touchdown? Made me sick to my stomach. Nice Jewish boy with a big nose, huh? He may not look like Tom Brady, but he played pretty damn good. But nobody wants to give him any credit because it's a relentless goddamn town. They hate you, Jay. Don't take it personal. They hate you. They'll give you no credit. You could run the table when every other goddamn game, and if you don't win the Super Bowl, they'll say, it's all because of that big-nosed Jew quarterback from Dartmouth. That's what they'll say. Make no mistake about that. Boy. Then they'll want Danny back. If Danny's got something left in the tank. Remember that one? No. Yeah. Yeah, you do. The Jimmy and Danny days. If Danny's got something left in the tank, all your Julios, man. Oh, God. God. Anyway, here's our poll speaking of Julios. Which of these do you believe in? I should have put glory holes on there, you know, because there are a lot of Julios in Hialeah believe in glory holes. Once you're dead, your history, 139. There's only one hell. It's in it's South Florida, 102. 26.3% of this audience say that hell is uh, alive and well, and it's South Florida. And I think you got a point. Heaven and hell. we got 46 people, 11% who believe in both heaven and hell. Life after death, but no heaven or hell, 46. Which I guess I guess that means reincarnation and largely, Whatever. right? All, all of the above. All of those other possible, all those other pipe dreams, wishful thinking. Only hells. We still got the same 43 crank votes on there we had before. I guess they gave up. Good. And only heaven 11. See, a little while ago it was seven, and now it's 11. Oh, thank huh. heaven for 711. And what's what's going to be the next one to pop up? I guess we better leave it there, huh? <laughs> Unless it's unleavened for Pesach. Let's get some of that unleavened pizza, at Pizza Hut. Oh! What do you say? A Pizza Hut. I mean, a pizza lot. Did I say pizza? Huh? Well, that's a Boca Brian thing, you know? know. Yeah, it is. In fact, somebody ripped uh, the, those spots on Mo Show on Friday morning, I think it was, because of the bobblehead dolls, cost 12 bucks or something like that, and went into a tirade about QAM and we should be embarrassed playing the spot. And I thought to myself, hey, leave Boca Brian alone, okay? He needs to make a few bucks. Like he had something to do with that. Yeah, right. Leave him alone. Leave the state. Hey, and don't blame the station for that. We'll take anything. We'll take gun shows and cults, and we don't give a crap. If somebody's got money, we'll take it. And guess what? So will you folks out there, the same ones that are complaining about they don't like this spot. If, if the agency came and said, okay, we'll give you the cash instead, he's, okay, I'll take it. You wouldn't give a crap about bobblehead dolls or anything. And then Mo tried to deflect it by going into a big song and dance about how Pizza Hut is so good. <laughs> oh, they sure have great pizza at Pizza Hut. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is a guy who lived in New York who go on like a 34th or 42nd Street and get a slice of the best pizza that's ever been made, and he's raving about Pizza Hut. Next, he's going to be raving about the goddamn Olive Garden. That'll be next. Speaking of that, what do you like to wash your pizza down with? How about some beer? Okay. Barcelona, Spain. You know, those Spaniards, man, they're a little, uh, I don't know. They're strange. It's either the Pamplona with the bullfights where people go over there to get Al Gord. What's that big tomato fight all about? Same, same crap. <laughs> They're bored, I guess. I, I don't guess. know. Most people like their beer served quickly, but how about a waiter who can move a frosty thirst quencher 100 meters in 14 seconds? Waiters from throughout Spain gathered in Barcelona on Saturday to see if they were up for the task in the 8th Annual National Waiters Race. Some 160 waiters and two waitresses gave it their best on a sidewalk in Barcelona, racing 100 meters with a tray carrying two glasses of beer plus a full bottle. The day was strewn with beer tragedies as plenty of shattered glass and spilled lager ended up on the concrete. But the winner, Jose Luis Soria of nearby Tarragona, set a record time of 13.96 seconds, earning first price of 600 euros, which is uh, 592 bucks, and a trip for two to Hong Kong. Can you believe the euro has actually passed the dollar again now? No. Oh, man. That is depressing. Love that good Canadian, the loony man, 63 cents U.S. That's what makes it good here. 
that worthless Canadian loony and the toony. When are we ever going to get with that? Eliminate dollar bills? Oh, please. Seriously, there's no, there's no dollar bill. The smallest denomination here is a five. How about coins? When are we going to lose those things already? I, I don't know, but we got, I got coins up the ass here. I, I can't stand thing. it. Like Everywhere. pennies. Let's get rid of pennies. Please. I got I got a drawer here, and every day I go through my pocket and I pull out the pennies and the um, uh, uh, the pennies and the nickels. I want to use my debit card everywhere I go. Just swipe it. Just swipe it. Well, or pay for it. Yeah. I'll never find this in time. It's almost not even worth it. Just rub it. Yeah, that too. Twenty-six past noon at five sixty. I'm trying to lighten things up a little bit because it's a very depressing Monday. You had that. Uh, that speedboat, that fishing boat, whatever it was, with La Bamba, several bombas in it, hit the uh, French tanker yesterday, spilling oil all over the goddamn place, another terrorist attack, which they don't want to talk about too much. You got all these shootings going on, including the one this morning, this teenager, the 13-year-old kid who was shot in the chest and abdomen and was airlifted to a D.C. hospital in Maryland there, not very far from where the other shootings have taken place. You got all this crap going on, and then you got these crazy right-wing uh, lunatic born-again Christians who are trying to uh, bring on Armageddon, you know, they're like in a big rush for it, huh? Come on, let's have it this weekend. Let's have a big party. Hey, does this sound like you? Overworked? Yes. Underpaid? Yes. Stuck at a dead-end job? Uh-huh. Underappreciated? Uh-huh. Well, do yourself a humongous favor while we're still alive here before Armageddon comes. Pick up the phone and call our good friends at Fast Train. 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Even the call is free. They'll be ecstatic to answer your questions and tell you about what they can do for you. The demand for certified computer professionals has never been bigger than it is right now, and Fast Train can help you achieve that brand-new career in as little as four months. Fast Train is South Florida's largest certified Microsoft training center, and they've got locations all over town. They're in Pembroke Pines. They're in Fort Lauderdale. They're in Miami in that brand-new location in highly congested, unacceptable Kendall. Fast Train offers convenient day, evening, and weekend classes. They've got a full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience. So if you're sick and tired of being overworked, underpaid, underappreciated, stuck in a dead-end job, or maybe just out of work altogether, don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and call Fast Train at 866-FAST-TRAIN. Think about it. In four short months, you'll be on your way to becoming a high-paid computer professional in a career with great earning potential. Take my advice. Pick up that thing, twist it, yank it, pull it, and the phone, too, and call Fast Train toll-free at 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN, or check them out on the web at FastTrain.com. Live, live, and local. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. This is the most disgusting program. I urge everyone to complain to this station. Come along with me to blow up an abortion clinic, to kill another doctor who is murdering a kid. If you speak with a drawl and have a bad attitude, then grab a can of gas and you can burn one down too. Abortion clinic, that is. Ain't nothing like the smell of nurses on fire. Now if you drive a truck and wear a smelly hat, and own a velvet Jesus welcome mat, after we make the clinic explode, we'll go find a nigger and drag him down the road. You'll be proud you're from the South, boy. Double white Southern pride. Now if there should be a woman trapped inside, we'll rape her in the ass and steal her purse before she dies. And paraphrase the Bible to validate our barbarism, ignorance, and seething hate. Inbred, that is. Fire up some Garth Brooks tunes. Now we are the Christian soldiers of God Who like to wipe our ass with an old corn cob And when we're not burning churches or clinics down We play our banjos in the trees with penis in our mouths That's what Christians require right there in the old brown eye oh, What did he say something about rape? I couldn't believe that It's not funny Huh? 
Yeah, rape is not funny. What the hell's wrong with that guy? Yo, 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 let's rape mode. Radio Big Shot. 1232 at 560 WQAM. Happy Monday to you. I feel a little bit better now. The market, look at that. Dow's up almost 100 points. That's because right. of all, that's because of all the good news in the world, huh? Right. Another terrorist attack on a French tanker over there in Yemen. Got people getting shot just going to school or walking around at the shopping centers indiscriminately by some unknown lunatic. Things are really looking up, baby. We got <laughs> more and more corporate scandal. Consumer confidence is dropping like a rock. The president's going on here tonight, but didn't request network time, so he's only going on the talking head channels like CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News, which means he ain't going to say a damn thing. Burn your jeans on CD for half a million bucks. Here you go. Anybody got a spare 500,000 laying around? Mapping and reading J. Craig Venter's genome took 15 years, $5 billion, and some of the world's most sophisticated computers. Wouldn't you two like your genome decoded? I wouldn't mind. Venter says he plans to offer the service with the goal of burning individual humans' entire DNA sequences on a shiny compact disks. It'll cost about a half a million bucks per person, says the entrepreneurial scientist who helped decode the human genome. Venter hopes ultimately to mass-produce gene CDs like so many Bruce Springsteen CDs. Oh, I sure hope they're better than those. That'll stock the shelves of every general practitioner's office and be covered by insurance. We are trying to push genomics to the $1,000 genome, Venter said in a telephone interview with the Associated Press. He said he's lined up several wealthy individuals whom he declined to identify who will pay to have their genomes mapped and thus kick off what he said would be a non-profit project. With individuals' genomes available, then doctors are expected to be able to prevent and treat many diseases better. Already, genetic tests can determine if some women are more prone to breast cancer than others. Venter led the for-profit team in the race against government scientists to decipher the human genome. Both teams simultaneously announced the successful sequencing of five human genomes, including Venter's, in competing scientific papers last year. Venter, former chief of genomics pioneer Solera, now runs three nonprofit ventures he founded. Those three ventures are spending $30 million to build a new gene sequencing center in Rockville, Maryland, did I say in Rockville, Maryland? That's what you said. Sorry, well, that's what it says. Which Venter expects to open by year's end. It's there that Venter and other scientists will work on putting individual genomes on optical storage media by next year. Venter said the only way to mass-produce gene maps cheaply is to simply get on with the work. He claims his intention is not to get rich, but to streamline the process to the point where insurance companies will pay for the CDs. Wouldn't you like it if your insurance company paid for your CDs? Yeah, man. Or Boca Bryan's. Even if insurers... Did. And by the way, speaking of Boca Bryan's... What's the story? Oh, I don't know. I haven't even looked. I mean, I know it's uh, it's not it's on there. It says one of these days you'll be able to buy it on here. I'm getting a little bit. I don't want to start getting pushy, okay? And I'm sure it's not Eric's fault, but uh, I'm not so sure it's not Eric's fault. You know, these people out there are chomping at the bit. In fact, over the weekend, for about 30 seconds here over the weekend, I was thinking to myself the fact that all that money we could be raising for wonderful dogs. Oh, you know what I saw? What's that? It was on the Discovery, uh, is there such a thing as the Discovery History Channel? I don't know. Yes, they have, they've yeah. broken it down. So anyway, it was uh, the story of Lassie, which all wasn't of exactly one of my favorite shows. They showed all the different Lassies and the fact that it was supposed to be a girl, but it was a boy. Right. Because of the fact that uh, they said that the reason the female collies shed real bad. Is that it? Yeah. Well, I know the males have a larger, puffier mane, so they look better on TV probably. Yeah, that, that's probably part of it, too. And I think they also said that um, Denise Potvin, before the hockey season starts, they had to give him a new do because he's been shitting. I feel really, really shitty. Yeah, see? Shitty. But at any rate, so, uh, you know, and, what, and that made me think. I watched that show, and I saw this these dogs, which are just uh, amazing. I mean, unbelievable animals. 
and the way that they trained them and the different things that they could get them to do. And I'm thinking to myself, all the money we could be raising again this year for, um, if not the same charity as last year, which was, what was it last year? Abandoned Pet Rescue. Abandoned Pet Rescue. There's so many other good ones for dogs, man. Dogs are where it's at. Dogs aren't running around uh, causing wars, telling people what to believe, talking about Armageddon, waiting for the end of the world. Dogs aren't running around going like that. I'm a big dog lover, man, and, and the fact we could be making all, raising all that money, but we got a lot of lazy people around that building. That's the problem. That's the problem at QAM. Nobody wants to lift a finger. Oh, they want to lift a finger, all right, but not the one you're hoping they'll lift. They, they have no problem lifting that finger to you. Tragic. Pathetic. First year in what? About 100 years on this show, we haven't done a best of Neil CD? Something like that. First time in 600 years we haven't done a best of CD, and right now we'd be starting it too. October, November, December, right during the holidays. All the people coming back later in November and December. It's good free promotion. It raises a lot of money for charity. So in the meantime, we got Boca Brian is the best we can do, which is a damn good one, by the way. But and you'll see the cover of it on there. It's George W. and Condoleezza sharing a tender moment. Restitution and Mo Bits Volume One. Got great stuff on there. Including yo yo yo, let's rate mo and lots more good mo bits. And one of these days, if we get lucky enough, maybe you'll actually be able to click on there on neilrogers.com and buy the damn thing. I don't know. In time for Christmas. In time for a year from in time for Armageddon, a year from Sukkis. That's next Sukkis, by the way. This year's is already oh. gone. Whew, man, starting to break out into a sweat. Next Sukkis. Twenty-two till one at five six. But you know something? Maybe we can avert it by getting rid of all the evildoers between now and then. You think? Well, that's right. I forgot the evildoers were supposed to be happy about them because they're going to be the conduit to uh, Armageddon. That's right. The conduit to ecstasy, to the rapture, baby. We're looking for the rapture. Squirt, squirt. Or the raptors, one or the other. With your busy lifestyle, you need all the energy you can to feel healthy, and Oleomed is a product that can help you do that. Oleomed is a tremendous new product. You know who ought to be taking Oleomed is uh, Skippy there. We ought to take about 4,000 oleomeds and stuff them in his Rectum. ass. Oleomed contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with good stuff in there, baby, vitamins, minerals, and herbals. And like I've been telling you for a very, very long time now, they make a separate product to help different parts of your uh, system. There's one specifically designed to help your heart, one to help control your blood pressure, one for your cholesterol and your prostate, one for your circulatory system, your digestive endocrine system, your skin and your bones, even your mind, Skippy. Start popping them, baby, like M&M's. All using the benefits of the best olive oil you'll find anywhere. And Oleomed, as we always tell you, makes products for men and some specifically geared to help you ladies out there as well. I wonder how Skippy's doing with the ladies. Oleomed's available all over town. Fix them up at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, and Navarro Pharmacies. Or get more information about it. Just uh, when you call that toll-free number, tell them Skippy told you to call. They will laugh their ass off. Call toll-free 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-O-L-E-O-M-E-D. And don't forget, you can get more information and order their product off their stupendous website, too. Oleomedamerica.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, and you know something? What happened? Oh, yeah, I know. I got so frantic. No, when I knocked that thing off. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I was like... Very emotional about whatever the hell I was saying there, and I hit, oh, it was because of Skippy, because of that piece of crap. Now, what the hell was I just going to play there? I'll never find it again. I had something so damn important that I was going to play that fit right pussy in, I'll never find well. it. No, it wasn't Pussy in a Well. I, don't you understand? That just uh, came up. I'm not playing no <laughs> Pussy in a Well. I heard that. We're not playing that. Now, don't uh, start, uh, you know, coming up with that Pussy stuff. You were the one. Yeah, I, I hit it by accident. Believe me, if I hit it, you know... <laughs> 
414 votes on the survey. Which of these do you believe in, huh? All you religious people out there. Yeah, that's my response to you. In fact, I'm going to just do that on the air four hours a day. And make a hell of a lot more sense than all these damn crazy goyim out there, all these uh, religionists. You you pick the one, okay? You pick the Orthodox Jews and the fundamentalist Christians and the fundamentalist Muslims. They're all crazy and they're dangerous. I wouldn't mind so much if they were crazy, if they were not so dangerous. They're freaking dangerous. And the more religious they are, the more dangerous they become. And the more power they get like they got now. Well, the whole country is being run. The whole world is being run. I mean, that, that uh, Pax Americana thing that he came out with uh, last week, that's just insanity. The maniac, the Bush doctrine. Anyway, which of these do you believe in? We have 418 votes. Once you're dead, your history, 154. And guess what? That's the correct answer, 37%. There's only one hell, and it's South Florida, 113, 27%. Another very good answer. Heaven and hell, 50. Sorry, on both counts. Life after death, but no heaven or hell, 46. Also, wishful thinking. Only hell is a phony vote. And only heaven, 12 votes. Ah, how do we say 7-11 around with 12? Twelve. Serve yourself at the, uh, huh? I don't know. Something about shelf. It's on a shelf at, uh, I don't know, 7 and 12. We don't have no 7 and 12. We do have some no. nice 24-hour markets, though, including my supermarket here. Boy, it's a beautiful day for the Irish and the Jews and the Muslims and everybody else here in the chinks. Sunny and 52 right now. What's wrong with that? Nice, nice crisp fall weather, you know, jacket weather. No humidity. Nice breeze out there. Low tonight's going to be 40. <coughs> Pope canonizes controversial Opus Dei founder before one of the largest Vatican crowds in history. Vatican City! Pope John Paul made a saint on Sunday of Jose Maria Escriva de Balaguer, the controversial founder of the conservative Roman Catholic group Opus Dei, before one of the biggest crowds ever to flood the Vatican. I wonder if he's related to Olindo Mare. About 300,000 soberly dressed pilgrims from 80 countries filled St. Peter's Square and spilled into surrounding piazzas for the ceremony in front of Christendom's largest church. We declare the blessed Jose Maria Escriva de Balaguer a saint and include him in the annals of saints, the globe robe, the gold-robed pope said. Oh, say that 50 times fast. The gold-robed pope, reading from a Latin formula, he urged the faithful to follow in Escriva's footsteps and seek God in everyday life. No, God. Escriva is the 468th saint proclaimed by Pope John Paul, who's declared more saints than all of his predecessors in the last four centuries combined. Man, he's really uh, got that thing moving. Thousands of pilgrims turned out for the canonization of the Spanish priest who taught that Catholics could be saints by living completely ordinary lives and seeking holiness in everything they did, whether as a banker or a baker. Escriva founded Opus Dei, which means God's work in Spain, 1928. There are now 1,800 Opus Dei priests. The rest of the 84,000 members worldwide are ordinary Catholics, many of them professionals. For me, he was important as he managed to bring holiness into everyday life. He showed we can all be saints, said Maria Sierra Ramillan, who traveled from Spain for the ceremony after the cockfights. But in the years leading up to Escriva's 1992 beatification, the last step before sainthood, Opus Dei was frequently accused of having a dangerous, secret, fundamentalist agenda. Absolutely correct, sir. The group appears to have gradually opened up to outsiders, and even past critics have acknowledged that. One of those who continue to criticize Opus Dei is Kenneth Woodward, author of the book Making Saints, How the Catholic Church Determines Who Becomes a Saint, Who Doesn't, and Why. Recently, he wrote that Opus Dei's wealth and influence have silenced most opponents. Even admirers know little about the inner workings of this church within the church, he said. Supporters say the group is simply misunderstood. Part of the controversy surrounding Opus Dei is that some of its lay members make commitments similar to the vows taken by priests and nuns, even though they work at ordinary jobs. On Sunday, the group's conservative nature was evident as huge crowds, many from Spain and Latin America, calmly made their way into St. Peter's Square. The pilgrims' mood was markedly different from those of the canonization of mystic Italian monk Padre Pio in June. Remember that? No. 
and you and you still don't know who the hell Padre Pio is. You no. better get with it. The stigmata guy. Oh, that guy, yeah. That's right. Markedly different from those of the canonization of mystic Italian monk Padre Pio and Julian Firework Street Hawkers and loud cheers were the norm. They were solemn. They were somber yesterday. Escriva died in 1975 and by 1992 was declared a blessed of the church in record speed at the time, due in great part to the Pope's streamlining of the sainthood process. <laughs> the Pope's streamlining of the sainthood process. You could be a saint in 15 minutes. It's good for business. The Pope has shown Opus Dei great favor. His spokesman, Joaquin Navarro Valls, is one of the group's best-known members, who's a real far business at Joaquin. The daily life of a Christian who has faith when he works at a rest or sleeps in all moments is a life in which God is always present, the Pope said yesterday, citing Escriva. To reach out to the huge crowd, the 82-year-old pontiff was driven down along the Long Avenue from St. Peter's to the river and back. Oi. How do you like that, huh? I don't. 1248 at 560 WQM. Let me mention again, what's that thing called here? In the Zone. Oh. In the Zone Delivery.com. No, seriously, I was very excited about that because when I get back, the first thing I want to do is get on Balance for Life again. And then the second thing I do after we want to like beat the crap out of the beast. Uh, how is he doing? Is he okay now? Uh, what do you mean? I'm sure he made a rapid recovery from the Oh, his illness? illness? No, I haven't had an update about that. Well, no, I'm sure he did because he had all that hurricane stuff to do on Saturday. He he doesn't be sick when he's got hurricane um, stuff to do. Maybe that killed him. Maybe that put him over the edge. Yeah, well, we'll find out tomorrow morning, I guess, when he does the updates, since Mo ain't going to be there. That's the only reason he's going to be allowed to be in there with Gildy. Yo, 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 let's rape Mo. Anyway, if you want to lose some weight in an effective way that really works and have delicious food. See, one of the problems when you're not on any kind of a plan is you don't know what to eat. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I know. You go into the store or you go to a restaurant, and, uh, you know, like, I don't know, can I eat this? Too many carbs, too many calories, uh, there's sugar, there's all kind of crap in there. And you know damn well you're not going to lose weight eating all of these things. But at Balance for Life, you know, you can eat everything in your little black sack. And at the end of a period of time, generally a short period, you're going to watch that weight come pouring off your body. Like the beast who's lost 53 pounds. It was 55 till Mommy and Daddy took him on another cruise and they're trying to kill him. See, if he had some balls, which he doesn't have any, if he had a little pair of balls, he'd say to Mommy and Daddy, Hey, F, quit trying to kill me. I'm making great progress here, okay? So quit with enough of the cruises already. They suck anyhow. Anyway, no cooking, no shopping, no cleaning, no worries, no calorie counting, no carbohydrate counting, based on the zone diet, which is the principle that's uh, all about. But they bring you a little black sack every morning by 6 o'clock in a.m. And inside that sack is all the food you'll need. For the whole day. And you pick between two choices for each meal. They'll give you a little menu. You fill it out. Three gourmet meals, two delicious snacks, a little 16-ounce bottled water is in there to get you started on drinks. And believe me, you'll be full because there's plenty of food in there, not little tiny bird-like portions, and nothing frozen, nothing prefabricated. Everything is fresh, delicious, made with the best ingredients that money can buy. So let Balance for Life help you lose weight the effective and the delicious way it really works as opposed to all that other quackery that's going on out there to exploit all you desperate fat people. Pick up the phone and call Balance for Life at 954 Five six eight thirty two twenty nine. I give you my personal guarantee. In a very short time, you'll look a hell of a lot better than the beast. Nine five four five six eight thirty two twenty nine, or visit their website at balanceforlife.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio five sixty. Smoking it out in the Everglades. All right. People, you know the way the Bible says. 
56 at 560 WQM. Don't forget, join the Overnight Boys, Joe and Mark. I noticed in the promo says the Overnight Boys as opposed to the Dirty Boys. Is there some special reason for that? No. Oh. Tonight from 9 to 11 at Gatsby's and Kendall. Stop by to win prizes. Enjoy Crown World specials. It's Monday Night Football. Pretty crappy matchup. Who's playing? Uh, the Bears against the Packers. Oh. Well, I guess if you like, you know, like a 9 to 7 game, you know. Those uh, NFC Central games always just put me into a coma. Anyway, I won't be watching, but you can watch it there and have a good time and uh, bust their balls, Joe and Mark, while you're at it. Monday Night Football at Gatsby's tonight from 9 to 11. Well, why why 9 to 11? I mean, the game ain't going to be over by 11. I guess they got to go to do the show, right? Right. There you go. Good thinking. Thank you. Oh, I saved this for last from TomPayne.com. What a good website that is. Marty Jezer, J-E-Z-E-R. You think he's kin to, like, Jezer Pete? Or Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ could be. Anyway, Marty Jesus' books include Abby Hoffman, American Rebel. He lives in Brattleboro, Vermont, and he writes, Case dismissed anti-war voices can trump Bush's failed Iraq policy on TomPayne.com. He says, Our country is in serious trouble, increasingly isolated in the world, lied to by our government, and the thrall of a cabal of ideological-driven hawks who have been on the wrong side of every major event in recent times. Even real conservatives, especially conservatives, ought to be worried. Conservatives stand for prudence, caution, and respect for tradition and history, the Bush administration is anything but conservative. With little debate and no justification, it's overturned a 50-year tradition of seeking allies and building coalitions in support of foreign policy. It not only ignores the UN and disparages our allies, but insists on the right to attack any government that for the moment challenges our political dominance and disagrees with our economic priorities. As we abandon the more reasonable aspects of our foreign policy, we embrace the more blatant failures. Instead of learning from past errors, we repeat them, thinking that smart bombs can override the mistakes of dumb people. To wit, we supported bin Laden against the Soviets. Now he's our enemy. Saddam was, as he is today, a thuggish dictator when he was making war and dropping chemical weapons on Iran, but we supported him. Which Iraqi factions will are we armed to overthrow Saddam, and how can we be sure that they, too, won't become our enemy? The issue is not our ability to defeat Iraq militarily. The issue is what we plan to do after we bomb Iraq into rubble. Ignorance seems to be a guiding principle among the administration's hawks. Dick Cheney supported South African apartheid and voted against a congressional resolution to free Nelson Mandela from prison. According to Francis Fitzgerald in the New York Review of Books, Cheney didn't trust Soviet Premier Gorbachev and advised President Reagan to keep up Cold War pressure rather than encourage Gorbachev's reforms. Richard Pearl, the guru of Bush's Bomb Now, Think Later brain trust, once advised former Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu to make a clean break with the Oslo peace process. He and others in the Bush administration, including Defense Secretary Rumsfeld, are on record as opposing a Palestinian state. Is this how the Bush administration expects to get Islamic support for its get Saddam policy? 
Rumsfeld's Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security, J.D. Crouch, called in 1995 for a preemptive military strike in North Korea, an attack that would have brought war to the entire Korean Peninsula. I wonder how Saddam feels being a backup target. Rumsfeld's Undersecretary of Arms Control and International Affairs, John Boston, is an outspoken opponent of the U.N. Most recently, he lied about Cuba having weapons of mass destruction merely to take a cheap shot at former President Carter. Thus is the case against Iraq measured and made. Petty and ignorant men are running our foreign policy. On every issue of importance, the men making the administration's policy have been factually and morally wrong. Do they think they'll do any better in Iraq 101, of course, on restructuring Iraq after the U.S. invasion? Don't bet the future on it, but that's the wager Bush is making. Shamelessly, the administration again floats the idea that Saddam was behind al-Qaeda's terrorism, besides lacking evidence that makes no sense. As the New York Times' Nick Kristof reminds us in October 1st column, Iraq is one of the few Middle East Islamic countries where women have equal rights. On key fundamentalist issues of religion and social policy, Iraq under Saddam represents everything the Taliban and al-Qaeda hate. It's conceivable that bin Laden and Saddam become allies against the U.S., but if this is so, it's an alliance of opportunity forged after 9-11, a consequence of Bush's blunderbuss militaristic policy. I may go over a few seconds. Too bad. Polls indicate great ambivalence about going to war. The cave-in by many congressional Democrats is a result of political cowardice, not the pressure of public opinion. A movement is growing to stop the country from going to war. It needs to be an inclusive citizens' movement that looks beyond the reach of existing peace and anti-war organizations. What's needed is a commitment to civility and persuasion, a reaching out to all citizens no matter where they stand on other issues. When the bombs start falling, another perspective will come into play. Until then, we need to be the voice of reason in a national debate. The Bush administration is not...